I believe that society will never dream like me, never dream like me, blah, blah, blah. Society will never dream like me. And so I'm just using that as like an exhibit into how highly Ed seems to think of himself. Yeah. Um, I don't get the feeling that Ed has ever, you know, small town Pennsylvania is one thing. I don't get the feeling that Ed has ever set foot in the country nor in the city where the bums be meditating. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's, I mean, but this is the thing. And I'm, I'll talk, I'll, I'll get more into this is that I didn't like now I hear that. I'm like, that's fucking dumb. <laughs> but I didn't think that in 2003 because I was pretentious enough to think that I also would ride a Harley through the heart of danger. <laughs> and that I also would meditate with bums. Um, <laughs> Like I had, like I really had, like I had something to teach them. Like, oh, let's meditate. I've meditated three times before. I went to a temple once. I know the way. Mm. You don't understand. I'm a white man. I only need to be shown things once. <laughs> um, uh, well, okay. So at least you didn't write this song. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> you didn't go that extra mile. Ed, Ed had to. <laughs> yeah, it was it was compulsive. <laughs> um, compelled beyond his will episode 11 recorded october 7th 2021well cool dude uh howdy 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 welcome yeah nice we we took a week off welcome back so it's uh october 7th and so we're going to do uh we're going to do – we're just going to kind of shoot the shit and talk about, like, what we've been listening to recently, just kind of off of the cuff, not not like the normal homework kind of situations that we did. Just sort of what you've been what you've been listening. Yeah, what you've been digging on. And then because the – we did an episode on live, like, t- three weeks ago Yeah. at this point, and it, the audio, we only got about half of it. And so we're going to kind of pick up where that left off. And so I'm kind of glad that it cut off because it it cut off right right before things started to go off the rails. And I mean, uh, once and, you when you get into the subject of Ed Kowalczyk, that that can happen. <laughs> so you can see how you got there. Yeah, yeah. And so um it, I th- it was better for me to try to work it out and then to try to summarize my thoughts because I think my thoughts came out as a bit of a mess on what we thought we were recording before the audio shit the bed. So I'm going to hopefully. So it's one of those situations where you, you didn't fully have everything lined up that you wanted to get out there until you until you got into it. Yeah, and then, and you know, looking back on it now, it was going to be impossible to have it all together because I was, I made myself listen to their entire recorded output right. o- over the course of a few days. I was just punch drunk, <laughs> and and angry, and I I I felt abused, and and you'd, you'd seen some shit by that point. <laughs> yeah, it was. I was not in a. I was not in a good place. So I was, but now that I have a little more distance from it to it'll be better but so but yeah we'll get into we'll get into all of that so yeah we will okay but yeah 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 yeah. so we'll just kind of like shoot the shit uh so so what have you been what have you been digging on the past few weeks 
what have I been digging on? A lot of the same shit I've been digging on for a while now, but for the past twenty years. Or so. like I just listened to Pink Floyd. There's yeah. that one pit when you even when you look when you have Pink Floyd, do you really need any other records? Yeah, I mean if there was a band to say that about, Pink Floyd might be one of the Oh, go get fucked. The, <laughs> how dare you turn this around on me? Son of a bitch. Uh one one of these days I'll 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 get Pink Floyd. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, you know, who cares? Who, yeah, I, who gives a shit? I think, I think they were just one of those, they're just one of those bands that was never gonna, that was never going to really, really, really be for me for whatever reason. Um, yeah. And so, because, there's so many people. This is not you. I'm right. not including you in this. No, this is like a, this is a, if you're not a Tool fan and you come across a lot of Tool fans, I imagine you have the same sort of reaction. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then occasionally you'll run into the one-two combo, the Pink Floyd and Tool fan. This guy. No, 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 no. But <laughs> no, you're I not. I know what you mean. You're, you're not uh, the the zealot. Of, the Pink Floyd and Tool fan. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you know, you're a guy who likes Pink Floyd and likes Tool a lot. Yeah. Uh, you don't think that those are the supreme end all pinnacles of sonic expression. Yeah. And I don't think they're a way to live your life. Yeah, yeah. And and you don't think that all other music should should bow and cower at the at the foot that is the Floyd. And and I've met those people, and so just be, you know, and you run into someone who wants to talk to you about how great something is, you initially are gonna have a little bit of like, dude, go get fucked. Like, it, it depends on how hard they come on, like how, <laughs> you know, it depends on how strong uh-huh. they're in, like how how strong they leap at you. Uh, yeah, if, I if guess they so. if they like knock if they bowl you over like a big dog might do, you know, when he's happy to see you, and they're just spitting facts about. Maynard into your face. You don't want to hear. No one wants to hear that. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and it. It's just, and I. I don't know. That that was sort of my whole like armchair, you know, like sociological theory about it. Is that, yeah, just like Pink Floyd was never going to be something that I was really, really passionate about. Like that I was going to really be like, oh, dude, this. I mean, I got Dark Side of the Moon. I listened to it for yeah. like two or three weeks straight. College, I was like, "This is a cool record," and yeah. then I moved on. Yeah, and and so, but then you hit some. You, but then if I run into someone who's uh, pushing it, then now I'm going to have resistance to it. And the thing is, is it's it, I, it was never going to be for me. All right. You know, that's sort of like my, my my thesis behind it is that not not all music is for everyone. But if you ram, try to try to push something on someone too hard, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna push against oh, it. That just goes for anything. I I feel sure. like like I've had people try to push Rick and Morty on me. I don't know how many times, and I'm just like, fuck that shit. Don't it's, don't care. It's really good. I'm sure it is. I'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it that you know that 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 is uh, yeah. There is something to be said about enjoying things in a vacuum and I, i'm much uh, yeah some people are just much better at coming upon things on yeah, their own I, i'm able to enjoy rick and morty in a vacuum because 
The only person oh, who ever said, man, Rick and Morty is great is Jet. And he was like, oh, that's my best fucking friend. You know, so sure, man. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll check it out eventually. You know, I, I, I was very ignorant of the temperature in the Rick and Morty fan base online presence. And it's like, oh, oh y'all sure. are toxic, terrible people. Sure. And that's not even part of it for me. That's just, that's a, a wholly divorced oh, from okay. like, I just don't fucking think it's very funny oh. from what I've seen. Wow. So, yeah. Oh, fair enough. I'm weird with comedy, though. I see. I see how it is, Robert. You, you're, you're Norm MacDonald and nothing. I don't laugh anymore, goddammit. <laughs> that time is over. The day that laughter died. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, well, well, I know you haven't been laughing, but what have you been listening to? Yes, I've been crying and listening to Mastodon lately. Oh, those go together for me. Uh, do they? Whenever I have to listen to Mastodon, I often cry. Damn. <laughs> rough. Rough. <laughs> Like a dog. Uh, anyway, um, so uh, I have been listening to uh, Emperor of Sand okay, a lot recently, and that's their 2017 album. So, so, re- so give me the, the timeline right. as how that relates to Crack the Sky for me, because right. that's my big so, Mastodon reference point. So Crack the Sky was 2009. Okay. And then 2012 or 13 was The Hunter. Okay. I think you know that one to some extent. That that one had like much sort of shorter songs, more straight ahead. Depends. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, and then they had, a, a few years later, they had uh, Once More Around the Sun. Okay. And then I think after, I forget which order it came in, either Emperor of Sand was next or the EP, which is called something, Cold Hard Place or something like that, Cold Dark Place. Um, but anyway, this is their new. This is their latest full length album. Oh, okay. Uh, and then it turns out I didn't realize they had one coming out like in two weeks. Yeah. So that's pretty sick. They do. Uh, I'd heard a couple of the the singles for it. I just didn't know it was coming out so soon. Yeah, that first single that I heard was sounded really great. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I, I put Emperor of Sand back on because the way it shook out for me was like, I really got into like Blood Mountain way back when, like 2006, I guess. Right. And then I sort of went back to Leviathan and really got into that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as the new albums came out, I I would check them out. Crack the Sky, though, much like you, like whenever I heard Oblivion, the first song off that album, I knew that was like... Uh, I knew they had really had done something different there. Uh, and it, so Cold Dark Place came out right after Emperor of Sand. Okay. I knew they were very close. Like six months later. Cool. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, but yeah, Crack the Sky was like a special album. It was like mm-hmm. a crystallization of what they've been going for in a weird way, but also a evolution, big prog rock, uh, but still all the weird stuff that Mastodon does. Right. Um so that album is like the perfect Mastodon album, as far as I'm concerned. Crack the Sky. Crack the Sky. Okay. But it's also their most serious album. Okay. So, so so what is an example of Mastodon not being serious? So I feel like they have a you could you could take two paths. You can say, here is their serious song, or here is their 
kind of fucking around song in a weird way. And from each one of those, they fork again. So here's their serious song with with like a fucking around feel to it. Or here's their serious song that's f- totally serious. Okay. And you get the fucking around song, it's got a serious feel to it. Okay. Fucking around song is totally fucking around. Okay. Right? So you can put these in the categories. Uh, so some examples of that are like off of um, off of Blood Mountain, you've got stuff like, uh, I think Circle of Sisquatch is one of them. Okay. Where it's like, it's like weird little licks that I go, what are you guys doing? But you kind of make it work somehow. Okay. Uh, and there's some other stuff off that album. By and large, it's pretty, it's pretty serious. Uh, Crack the Sky also just like kind of a straight face the whole way through. It's like a, most of the lyrics are uh, to do with like Bronze Sister. Uh, and there's like a whole thread about like Rasputin. Mm-hmm. And it's this whole, it's a whole concept-ish sort of thing that loosely ties together. Uh, but it, it doesn't really, it keeps a straight face the whole way through. And then you get to The Hunter and they got like fucking song about the creature from the Black Lagoon being sad. Okay. And and stuff like that. Okay. And but that song that song is played straight, but the lyrics are totally like, what? Oh, what? Okay. Uh, but then they have songs that are like off of Emperor of Sand, they have Show Yourself. Like, show yourself, show yourself. Like that one. Okay. And it's like a dance beat. It's like a weird swingy, not swingy, but like a like a dance song almost. And it's Braun singing, and it's all like, you know, how he, his voice is like, he cuts through in, the, in a way the other guys do not. Okay. Um, but that is the one song on this album. Anyway, all that to say, um, everything since Crack the Sky has been like a sort of weird mix. Uh, and so sometimes you'll get the weird, goofy shit. Sometimes you'll get um, the mother load, I think was one off of uh, Once More Around the Sun. Uh, it was kind of like a goofy one. That was that the one with the the video was like just girls twerking. One of the videos is just girls twerking oh, and then playing the song. I vaguely remember people being upset about this. Yeah, yeah, um, probably. I never saw the video. It's it's pretty funny. It's pretty fucking funny. It's just them playing the song, and there's just girls twerking. That's cool. Um, but I feel like this album is the first one since all that has happened, since all those other other albums have come along to like get back to just like a pretty serious like here's just a solid serious album again and that's what i like best from mastodon it's it's kind of weird because looking back on all this stuff even when they do diverge into weird like goofiness territory here and there they're still consistently good songs in my opinion that it is don't all fit together all the time as an album so sometimes i just don't feel like listening to those whole albums I see what you're All at the same time, and I'm someone who listens to albums. Right. I always listen. Damn near always listen to albums. Right. That makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. The only band that has ever been able to blend serious and not serious songs together and it feel like a cohesive album is System of a Down. Yeah, they definitely do that. That's. I have to think about that some more, but they are probably the best example of that. That's the top of the mountain. It's the er er example. Yeah. Yeah. Of. Here's a song about a pizza pie, and then here's a song about police violence. And, yeah. and here's and, a song about the prison system. Yeah, and here's a song about existential dread or whatever. Yeah. You know? like <laughs> it's just all and and like you know maybe Charles Manson had a point or whatever. You know, like it's all you know, and and somehow it like it works seamlessly. So that's that's yeah, that is that that's rarefied fucking air 
is what I'm trying to say. Got it. <laughs> in the in the hard rock metal world. Definitely. Yeah. At least, you know. It's a it's a weird thing. It's like and when I first heard some of the song, like I think when I first heard Mastodon and heard Blood Mountain and heard some of the goofier sounding stuff on there, like this sort of out there zany kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Didn't really know how to take it at the time. Cause uh I I don't know. Two thousand six I don't was I serious about metal? Like I was I like strapping young lad and they're kinda they have that vibe sometimes. I don't know. That's you know I remember taking it weird. I all Yeah, we can talk about know. strapping on lad in a second. Or in a little bit, because that's yeah. that's what I've been listening to yeah. <laughs> a little bit. But but yeah, well yeah, strapping on lad is weird because it's so um it's almost Yeah, I don't know. I'll 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 address that in a minute, I guess. But yeah, yeah, like there, there is an there is a uh, a disrespect for the genre or of the medium of being a metal band inherent in Strapping Young Lad. Of oh yeah, of like uh, Devin Devin, and he talks about it in in the podcast in his uh, his podcasts where he his podcast is great and amazing by the way if you're the least little bit of a Devin fan it's absolutely worth listening to he just sort of will do one episode per album and he just mm. will spend 2 hours sort of just talking about the making of that album and that process and and sort of you know what was going on and and anyway it's amazing i've been meaning to do, to go listen to those since you recommended them yeah so fucking good but he talks about in for city how Almost like, wouldn't this be a great fucking joke for me to get all of this angry material out to go record it at Steve Vai's studio because I'm fucking mad at Steve Vai now because of how (laughs) things went down with that tour and that first Steve Vai record I was on. And I'm going to be this stupid fucking weirdo kid who likes metal but isn't really a metal kid. But I'm going to flank myself with the three most legit fucking metal dudes yeah. that I can find, you know? Because he grew, he, Jed and Byron were in a band that he had played with locally mm-hmm. up in Vancouver, I believe. And then he had met Gene in LA, like at a machine head show or some shit. And Gene, Gene was like, I really like heavy, it's a really heavy thing. And Dev was like, that's cool. I've got another record. Will you play drums on it? She <laughs> was like, oh, I guess. And then he called Gene the next day and was like, do you remember saying yes? Gene <laughs> was like, well, I guess I did. All right, I'm going to book studio time for two weeks. Is that okay? Wow. It's fucking banana sandwiches, <laughs> right? So. Um, cool. But but most of their songs were serious. The only time that their songs were not serious were when they got to New Black, I would say. I would say that all the songs on City, they might have been irreverent. They might they might have been, and even Alien, there's parts of Alien that are wacky. I mean, I guess that's kind of what I mean. Like, there are different ways that it can be not serious. And the music on those albums is, for the most part, like, deadly serious. Right. On like, New Black, though, not so much. There's, sure, sure. There, there's some sections on there where it's, like, just synth-out big band Sure. Sections. And it's like, okay, like you're, and I don't, I mean, 
like, and that, that's why I was like, what do we, what do we mean when we say not serious? And it's like, do we mean like you're a metal band and you're smiling while you play this part? Right. Like, like, what do we mean? But we, we know what we, we know what we, we know when we hear it. Yeah. It's kind of nebulous. Like, I don't know. Like it's not metal. It's, but it's, it's, it's more than that. It's, yeah. It's, it, it's really, it's kind of hard to explain. There's, but there's a, like it, it like if it's playful, ugh, that's not quite it either. I mean, so the the thing that makes it work for for Mastodon, for example, is that they're clearly having fun doing it. Right. Like it's clearly what they want to be playing. Right. And it's good music. It's not the same as all the other stuff they've done. In fact, in some ways, it wildly diverges. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess it's like if it fucking makes you laugh, you know. I mean, I guess that's kind of what we're getting at because there's yeah. fuck all nothing funny about. I mean, it would be it was hilarious to see Strapping Young Lad live and to see Devin's performance as a frontman. Yeah, I think we were greatly inspired by that. I was like, oh, cool, you don't have to do the shit that everyone else does. Right. Thank God. And um, <laughs> woof, woof. Uh, oh, see everyone get the fuck up. <laughs> I want to see everyone turn around. I want to see everyone turn back around. I want to see everyone make a square. I want to see everyone hold up a triangle. Are see- oh, you guys get at the back of the room? I'm gonna yell green light, and you guys can come towards me. I'm gonna say red light. You gotta stop. You gotta stop. Rhombus on four, motherfuckers! Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> these are all things that might or might not have been said during all severed shows. Pretty sure they were said. Oh, uh, so, but um, but yeah, the, I mean. Everything is deadly serious on all on on city on SYL on alien even even the part I mean but there's parts on alien that feel wacky and they're uncomfortable to listen to because it's a dude in like his early 30s or or you know or you know yeah I think that's how old he was then singing about the shit that would upset an early 30 year old which is like having kids and shit like that and you're if you're 20 you're like this is stupid why is he yelling about disneyland <laughs> but I, know, I would probably yell about disneyland i've i've i'll yell about it right now <laughs> and but but yeah so I don't think that it, la- it it made sense when you heard it, when we heard it at the time as much. But then on New Black, you know, he was kind of like, well, I got to fucking, I'm going to finish this record contract, but I'm done with this band. Mm. And so it was kind of just like, you know, everything but the kitchen sink, you know. So it wasn't, it wasn't as, you know. Cause then he did like Ziltoid right after that. Like he yeah. he had pinned he had stored up some ridiculousness, right? Uh, but yeah, there was nothing funny about you know you weren't laughing while he, while while you were while those that, those guys weren't laughing or he wasn't laughing while he was tracking the vocals for Alien. No, not at all. You know what I mean? But I guess like I, I think for me, I guess what it actually is more of is. To borrow like a wrestling term, it's like they break kayfabe. You know what that means? No. So a wrestler has like a persona okay. and they have like a way that they are, like a, a, a way of being, a way of acting and talking to the crowd and the other wrestlers and all that shit. Okay. And so if the Undertaker is doing his thing, his Undertaker shit, and he takes his hat off and turns around and goes, hey man, did you catch the game last night? He's breaking kayfabe. What is this? What is kayfabe some, short for? It, I don't, it's, it's a word. It's I just, don't fucking thing. know. Okay. It's some... 
Tennessee wrestling bullshit. I don't know. Okay. Trust me. It's it's um, stupid as it sounds. <laughs> You're right. Um, it, it probably means something. I don't know. Uh, anywho, that's that's what it is called in the industry. I see. So in the biz. So if if a band who normally does things a certain way and acts a certain way, I see. Does something that you know goes against that. Okay, sure. They, they break character. I see. I see. I see. So Mastodon doing a video with people twerking. Yeah, or is, is that or a song that sounds like like Show Yourself because it's like sure, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just very, very different to what they've done, but they're doing a good job at it, and they like it, and it's good, and I still like it. It just doesn't fit with the other stuff. You know what I mean? There's a Black Sabbath song called I think it's uh shit. Is it, <laughs> is it killing yourself to live? Oh, is this one of the later Sabbath songs, or is this? I think it's it's on Dio. No, 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 no. Okay. No, no, this is Ozzy. Sabotage? Um, I think it's on the Sabotage record, which is low-key one of my favorite records of all fucking time. <laughs> uh, but... I feel like there are a few Sabbath songs like that. There are definitely a few Ozzy songs like that. Yeah, but this one, like, it's it's the last track on the record, and it's just... It's just... Oh, no, it's Am I Going Insane. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, I, don't, I know that song. Yeah. It's just, like, super synthy. Like, you know, intro. Yes. I you know, When I first heard this, when I was, like, getting into Sabbath as a teen, like, I didn't know what to make of that song. <laughs> yeah. I did not know. I, yeah. I, I think I had uh, We Sold Our Souls for Rock and Roll. Is mm. that what it's called? Mm-hmm. The, yeah, the compilation. And that was on there somewhere. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, just, it, hmm, you know. Yeah. I mean, in a way, I mean, in a way, like, even Van Halen's jump is, so, is almost that, too. It's probably hard for us to... Because we think of that as being so synonymous with right. the band, but when you at the time in context, yeah, or it's like this is fucking it's just all synth. Barely, is is there any guitar in this song? Yeah, I don't. I mean, was Ice Cream Man that on their first album? Kinda, <sighs> but that yes, but also, but it fit also. There was a whole sort of almost big band swing thread through that first album right. that I don't know is necessarily on their other albums. That was a. Uh, yeah, it probably wasn't too much. I think they got it out there. That was very much a David Lee Roth thing, I think. I mean, that that's one of my favorite records of all time. I fucking well. love that album. That's, that's, that's on the short list to me of greatest rock and roll records of all time. I, don't, I can't tell you what that list is, but I can tell you that that record is on it, and I can tell you that Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction is on it. Yeah, yeah. So I, and I uh, maybe I'll think about it and let you know. Yeah, but, but you know, you're right. That didn't really show up on, on their other albums. Like Diver Down is my, probably my other favorite Van Halen album, and it doesn't have you know, shit like that, really. That, like Atomic Pump. Pump? Pump. Pump. Atomic Pumpkin. Here in, here in yeah, we have the season of fall. <laughs> yeah. To, so, but yeah, that, that just like that. And what I didn't realize is that that whole like power shuffle thing, you know, like that kind of thing. I mean, that's that's where Psycho Holiday came from, a hundred percent. Oh sure, yeah. And so I don't really think about that, but through line is very clear. Thousand percent, that's what it is. The yeah. only like the only double bass shuffle you heard in the fucking nineties. <laughs> Everyone thought it was going to be just like, oh, everyone's going to do this now. Nope. It's the first and last time you heard it. People go, oh, oh, no, we're not doing that. You guys can have that one. Because no one else could have done it and made it interesting. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Interesting against all odds. 
That, <laughs> what, a, what a great way to describe those first few tracks on <laughs> Cowboys from Hell. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the last few as well, really, but. Yeah, true, true, true. So, so back to Emperor of Sand. So, yeah. you feel that this is their first, like, or it was their first quote unquote serious record since Crack the Sky. Yeah, and let maybe I'll just go back to Cohesive. It's it's their most cohesive. Cohesive as an album. Yeah, as an album. I see. Because when you're sort of what, what was it, K breaking kfob kfabe kfabe. Um, I need to see if this is a real word now. <laughs> I, I only know it in turn. Don't ask me why I know it. I know too much about wrestling, so unfortunately. Whenever you're breaking character, kayfabe, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it, uh, it, it's what you're saying is that it's difficult to make a cohesive record while doing that. I guess it can be. I mean, it, well, it's weird because like all the songs that kind of do that on their other albums i still like all those songs right so it's not a question of like well you did a bad job here and here and here yeah so it's yeah no, i hear you i hear you but it, it it almost is like well i want to hear all those songs at the same time maybe maybe yeah. and i want to hear you know yeah in terms of cohesiveness i think it does sort of because i'm such an album oriented mm-hmm. listener i think it sort of breaks the mood yeah that kind of happens to me a little a little bit with ghost where I love all of their stuff, but I'm I'm sometimes in a mood for like I was like I just want that real just give me that poppy shit, <laughs> right? Just give me give me that radio rock ghost, give me that give me that um, praise and worship that suits me kind of ghost, and you know, and then they have like those tracks are interspaced throughout their their records you know it's not a whole record of just that right so but their albums are are their albums do have a really good flow to them on the whole though so not going to talk shit on that that prequel record is i think a really really solid fucking rock record like it's up there maybe not top five top 10 though probably i don't listen to much ghost here and there they're great they're great man they're amazing they're great live, and they have been for a long fucking time. Uh, how long? Well, I don't mean – I mean, not like fucking 20 years or something. Okay. But um, when did I see them live first? I think I saw them live first in 2015. Yeah, in 2015. I feel like I've heard about them for like eight, ten years. Their first record I, – I got hip to them on their second album, Cycle. And so, um, and so that would have been in, I think like 2013, 20, yeah, somewhere around there. Okay. So, but yeah, they're great. And it was, there was a real mystery to them then. Yeah. And that has like sort of since dissipated because partially because of the lawsuits from former band members and things uh, like that. Uh. And so, uh, but now everyone knows that ghost is basically a solo project by Tobias Forge and and he writes everything he does everything he puts on the makeup he's always the singer cuz they had this whole mythology of that that they would have a new uh oh. like that the singer was a new guy every album cycle they were like and they'd have like an actor playing a guy they got kicked and they'd make these cool promo videos and all this sort of shit and huh. all this sort of stuff and you know and they the, the interviews were always done by one of the nameless ghouls the band members, but it was always Tobias in a nameless ghoul 
costume wow. doing the, all the interviews, you know. And so, but at the time, man, there was a real, it was, there was a real like, oh man, these these guys really worship Satan. Oh, oh. <laughs> it was real, uh, it was real fun. I don't know. I could get into that whole thing, honestly. I can, you, I can get behind that. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like yeah. It's all great. It's all fucking awesome. Uh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't look at Ghost and think, man, those guys really worship Satan. I would. Know, that's maybe one of the last things I would you actually definitely do. wouldn't now. Okay, but I'm I'm telling you, there was a time. <laughs> it, you know, whenever I whenever I was first hearing those first few songs, when they were first crossing my path off of uh, you know like monstrance clock and and things like that like when i was hearing that then you know and seeing like their videos and their presentation it was like oh man like these these guys are on to something and they you know what i mean i remember i remember showing it to to zach robinson because i was real excited about it and he was like man i don't i don't think it's good to invoke that kind of energy <laughs> <laughs> said said some some something to that effect, you know. Right. And so, was Ghost a band that came from uh, Eurovision? No, I th- you're thinking of Lord. Well, I'm thinking of a lot of bands, <laughs> but I didn't I know if they were one of them because they, they seemed didn't. like something that totally could have come out of that. No, no, their first album was much more, much more sort of doom laden, I guess, like much more like in the sort of the the Candlemas sort of lane of doom. Um, like Blue Oyster Cult kind of vibes and stuff, right? And and so and, and then it sort of got progressively more poppy, I guess. Yeah, that sounds about right. I guess so, from what I've heard. But yeah, no, I mean they were on, they were signed to Metal Blade. They had they they did it right in the sense that at first they were touring. They they had like they, they started with the underground thing, you know, like they were they were signed to Metal Blade. They were touring in the metal scene. Getting that underground, quote unquote, underground cred. cred, and so, you know, which is a really underappreciated thing, because if you if you get that backbone, if you get that stability, then you can take more risks as you get to the top. I think because you're you have a foundation to you know you know what I mean. You have an anchor in a sense. Yeah. And so if you if you take off and you get more fans, you know, there's still that like hardcore fan base that's gonna buy your new record. And so you have a little bit of leeway. And yeah, you're gonna lose some because they're gonna be like, oh, it's the it's, it's, right. uh, whatever. Fuck those people. Uh my whole identity is based on not liking things that other people like. So once I find out that someone likes something that I like, I have to stop liking it because I am that shallow. God, I guess there are people like that still. I haven't come across any in a long time. Well, I mean, well, how many people do you come across? <laughs> Not many. <laughs> what I meant to say was I haven't come across anybody in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's just that it, it might just be different. It might just be a different energy, uh, sort of, because I think about, I just, I think about how, I don't know if that is a, is a, is a, is a common phenomenon now, as common of a phenomenon now, 
as it was when we were coming up with music specifically. Right. Because you... No, I, I knew people when we when we were in high school who very specifically had that exact outlook. You're looking at one of them. Did, really? I, I mean, I, 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 I fought it. I fought it. <laughs> you I suppressed the it. urge. I did, yeah, but okay. I had it. I had it for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, but I but I fought it. You know, if you liked something that that other people liked on a full moon, you would become a some sort of beast. <laughs> well, okay, so I. I have probably seen Slipknot live more than any other single band. Okay. Not any other single artist. Um, because there's a lot of like, like Mike Dillon and Galactic and Stanton Moore, those guys, I know ones I've seen those guys like fucking, cause you can go to new Orleans in one e- in one weekend during jazz fest and see those dudes play like 12 times if you try. Cool. Um, but I bought a ticket, their names on the fucking ticket. Slipknot more than anyone else. Sure. Machine Head, close second. And, but I only own one Slipknot shirt, and it's the one I bought the first time I saw them, and I stopped wearing it whenever other people started wearing Slipknot shirts in high school. <laughs> I didn't, this is the difference, I didn't stop listening to Slipknot. Right. I just stopped, I was like, all right. You no longer advertise. Y'all can have that. Slipknot doesn't need my help anymore. I don't need to. I don't need to be. I'm not one of you. Okay. <laughs> Let me get this straight. I don't have spiked bracelets and all this sort of shit. Oh, yeah. Like I'm, you know. And so yeah, there was a part of it that was, you know, it was a part. It's like the same kind of thing, you know. Of gotcha. You know, like well, I was there whenever you know I saw them play at small venues, you know, and. There's all, there's all, there's always that dude. There's always those, those people and shit like that. And it's, yeah, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. Who cares? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, fucking grow the fuck up. Um, have a little. I mean, I do get. So there was a thing that happened like with Blue October, which was interesting, where they were sort of mostly a regional Texas band. That had a really hardcore regional following. Right. And then they got signed to Universal, I think. And they had that single Hate You that came out. And all of a sudden, on that record, they were, you know, number one single and all sorts of shit. And so the demographic of their fan base of people who were going to their concerts all of a sudden changed. And so the old school people. All of a sudden, their concerts were a different thing. Right. And so they were like, what the? Why are all of y'all here? You have an Avril Lavigne shirt on. What is happening? And so there, it became this whole, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I get that. But that's kind of, that's a very isolated, I feel like it's a very specific situation yeah i mean that has some that has at least some merit behind it i feel like also yeah 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 but but i mean and, and some of them would have really torn about it. they're like i'm really happy that they're making all this money but i just don't really <laughs> want to stand next to these fucking idiots at this <laughs> fucking show mm. just play balance beam fuck <laughs> you know god the, um, the buzz crowd yeah the buzz crowd so but um 
Oh, so two things. Uh, yeah. No one knows what the fuck kayfabe means or where it came from. <laughs> First of all, uh, th- there's a... We're doing science here tonight. <laughs> yeah. After, after extensive research uh, during the last conversation, uh, one one theory is that it uh, took the words be fake and applied pig Latin to them in a certain oh, way. Oh, okay. So maybe that's... Okay. Um, anyway, though, speaking of bands that uh, eventually... Break cafe a blue oyster cult, motherfucking Godzilla. I've never listened to that song. You've never heard that song? I know that it exists. Oh, it's so weird. It's so not anything else that they have done. (laughs) Yeah, it's the most bizarre shit. It's exactly that. It's them going. You know what would be fucking funny if we did a song about Godzilla (laughs) and said Godzilla. I've heard the like I've heard the Surge version version of it that's at the end of uh I think King of the Monsters Surge Tinkin? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Him and like Gene Hoagland and a few other fucking people oh, okay. threw together a version of it and put it on the end of one of the new Godzilla movies. Oh wow, okay. So it's pretty dumb that I don't I don't know that song because I'm a huge fucking Godzilla fan. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> no. Okay. I only know the I really only know the one Blue Oyster Cult song. <laughs> I really wish that I knew a different one that I could name that wasn't Don't Fear the Reaper. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, man. Iron Buttercups. Yeah, that, that little, isn't that it? Isn't that what it's called? In the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Um, As Bart Simpson played. Uh, 26 minutes later. Um, yeah, sorry for dropping the ball on that. I feel like I just, I just fucked up. Fuck something up by not knowing that that Blue Oyster Cult song. Yeah, no, I'm just surprised because that, that's been on. Uh, I mean, well, it was all over the radio, but I, I've heard it a billion places. I feel like maybe I have heard it and it just never clicked to me. Maybe you just I was didn't... like, they can't possibly be saying Godzilla. Or you were was like, this can't be Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> maybe so. So you just didn't. Maybe so. Those, those are all valid possibilities. It is a so, weird song. So. Yeah, for shiz. So. Uh, Anything else you want to throw out there about about Emperor Sand? No, I mean, that's it's a it's a really fucking good album. Nice. It's, it it they do everything that I love about what Mastodon does. Nice. Do do you feel like they've been relatively con? I mean, maybe not consistent in the kind of record that they've done, but consistent in the quality of records. Absolutely, that was a point I was going to bring up. Is like even with the weird uh, the weird shifts here and there on some songs, they've been extremely consistent. I- I don't know that if there's a if there's a band out there that I listen to less that I am happier that so many other people listen to, yeah, as much as Mastodon. Totally, because you know, I mean, for whatever reason, I don't, I don't, I just don't listen to them a lot. Yeah, but I am so fucking glad that 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 those guys have the thing that they have. Yeah, it's so weird that they have it because, you know, I remember when they were playing Fat Cats down on Washington Avenue and shit like that in front of like 200 people. Sure, yeah. And shit like that. Maybe not even 200 people. Yeah. But um cuz yeah, they're kind of at the stage where they're like almost elder statesmen of metal in a weird sort of way. Well, well they're, they're yeah, they, and they've gotten to this weird like status. They they can kind of do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, and they 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 at some point somehow transcended you know and into like that next level of like a cultural phenomenon, so to speak, yeah. to where, but they just, they just, they just, they just got in the door to where they don't have to take any of the shit. They don't get any of the criticism, but they can go and play fucking anywhere they want 
in the world that has electricity and 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 enough people will show up so that they don't lose money yeah and that's fuck <laughs> it's, it's wild yeah you know that's i mean i feel like that's because there's never there's never going to be another metallica you know that's um but i feel like what mastodon has achieved is is about as as close to that as a as a band that started in the 90s could hope to achieve you know i mean you have what mm. slipknot has but i feel like slipknot is a little more um they're a little more they're not as free as mastodon mastodon is a little more free to do whatever the fuck they want i don't i don't know that slipknot is yeah it's probably right i feel like slipknot's fans expect yeah slipknot yeah, At and I mean, it, and don't get me wrong. Like I, I love, I love all. Well, I don't love all of Slipknot's records, but that's a that's a separate issue. Sure, it's, it's a separate show. You know, but I like their newer records. I just don't like. I just don't like all hope is gone. That 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 record's a fucking mess. Um, no hope for that one. But, but I mean, so like Mastodon did stuff like when the Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie came out, they did the theme song to that. They did, like, right. the soundtrack to that oh, as animated like, characters and shit. They did, like, the soundtrack to, like, Joda Hex. Yeah. Like, yeah. Other, like, True. You know, and, like, you know, like, Slipknot doesn't have that kind of thing going on. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess to a certain extent, they just, for, for better or worse, they just resonate with, like, nerd culture in a weird way mm. that other bands don't. Well, I think that they just they they rode the weird horse, man. Like they exactly, yeah. Like they the, what 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 brought them to the dance was a fucking weirdo, and they kept dancing with the fucking weirdo. Yeah, and it somehow allowed them to like, oh well, cool, man. You guys get to play where the fuck you want now. Yeah, and and so good good on them. So is it trajectory uh, less traveled. Yeah, yeah. So rad rad for them. Yeah, but anyway, go listen to that album. Check it out. It's really good. Will do. Will do. I mean, it's it's always you know the, the, my relationship to Mastodon is is real silly because <laughs> I I just didn't, because at some point I was that asshole earlier on pushing the band on you. You weren't really, you were never an <laughs> asshole about it though. No, no, no. Um, I know I wasn't an asshole, <laughs> but 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 some of the, some people we knew were, and. And uh, and I was like, oh, you're into that band those assholes are into, <laughs> is what I was like. How I would respond to you, asshole by association. Uh, so, it uh, the thing is, is that what was different about them early on, like this is with like Leviathan and shit like that. What was different about them that resonated with everyone? I didn't really get. Mm. That's not what I was interested in from a heavy aspect i was like you motherfuckers are playing slow because you can't play fast <laughs> is is where i was coming from in 2003 you know yeah 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 so and then but i was also a major sabbath head and i was also into i was already into jazz fusion and shit like that so the things that got people really excited about brawn on drumming didn't like people have already done that over here it did yeah like it didn't it didn't do for me what it did for other people who, you know, weren't really into Black Sabbath and Billy Cobham, you know. So Yeah. Right. Uh and 
and I was kind of an asshole, so I wasn't really open to it. I didn't I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. You can just say that. That's that's the that's the simplest answer. I didn't get it. Yeah, that's fine. There have been bands like that for me too. So. Yeah. So. Anywho, so, uh, you have been listening to. Oh, so I have. I mean, I guess this kind of fits in line with the Ed thing. Honestly, is I I've been on this trip of listening to um, <laughs> people who are borderline borderline narcissistic and, uh-huh. and possibly diagnosed with mental illnesses. Uh, um, is Ed going to run for president at some point? Yeah, so I've listened to a lot of Kanye and Devin Townsend. And so both of which um, diagnosed as bipolar, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, only one of which ran for president or was talking about running for president, though. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is that I think is interesting about it is that – like, it was around, like, 2016 or so where I said, you know what? I am just so fucking thoroughly ignorant of hip-hop in general. I'm just going to immerse myself in this for, like, three months or something. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, let me just fucking look up. Like, what are the 20 best hip-hop records or 50 best hip-hop records? And right. I just I went through all of them, and, and that was all I fucking listened to for, like, three or four months or so. And so Kanye's first few records are in there, like just unanimously. They're totally. always in there. Yeah, they still are, I think. And so, um, so yeah, that was when I sort of first got hip to them. And then for – see, my wife and I got married in fall of 2016, and then we mm-hmm. went on jam cruise in like January of 2017. Oh, uh, yeah. And – one of the bands that I really, really one of the reasons I wanted to go was for this band called Lettuce. And the drummer in that band, Adam Deitch, was doing sort of a like a master class where he's talking about electronic music and and stuff like that. And at one point, like Kanye came up and there was like a, I mean, there's only like 15, 20 people in the room, mm-hmm. but there was a little like murmur. Oh, you right. know, the mention and he was like, Look, guys, whatever you want to say about whatever he does in public, just know that when it comes to producing, when it comes to this, he's one of the best in the world. And you just need to know that. And and more than anything, I was really moved by, by Adam's hard stop on the momentum of the room. Mm-hmm. That really, really moved me because people were ready to just be like, oh, fuck that guy. And he could have just like went, mm-hmm, and moved on. But he said, no, no, no. Y'all are wrong. Right. And and so that, I think, kind of permanently opened my mind uh, because I'm so, I'm so inspired and influenced by Adam Deitch. And so, so, yeah, so every few years I would go back and like, well, let me listen to like the next Kanye, you know, or start over. And so, you know, th- this past time, I don't know, I don't know why, I just decided to. And so I was listening to like the first four. So I got up to like 808s and Heartbreaks. Mm. Fuck that. Then, then, then I stayed on that one. I was like, I don't need anything else but this one. I want to stick on this one. And, I was, and so, but man, those first three records are amazing. They're so fucking good. There's, they're, what I really like about them. Is that, and again, like 
whatever, fuck it, never mind. I don't need to preface this. <laughs> when you listen to those records, it really has this feel to, to me. The feeling that it has is, man, it feels so vulnerable and it feels so sincere and it feels, it, it's, it's like you're hanging out. It's like that moment, like you're hanging out at like a small gathering. There's just like five people in a room. You're hanging out some couches you're drinking a little maybe you're smoking some whatever you're just hanging out you're having a good time and someone gets on a fucking roll and they're standing up and they're just they're just letting it all hang out and 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 but they but they've but they've caught the wave and everything they're saying is making sense and it's all fucking connecting and you're just like yeah man that fucking is how it is <laughs> right right and that's how his albums feel like all 70 minutes of it of it feels like that like you've you've you you know and that maybe that's part of his genius in that is that he's he is able to to catch that fucking wave i guess mm -hmm. or or you know that that kind of feeling and so but yeah man i've i love that i love it it's all it's all fucking good and what's i guess what's interesting is how <laughs> all of his public shenanigans because i didn't grow up inside of hip-hop culture in any sense or even really pop music culture right that was always shit that was going on over there right so i had never the only time i've heard kanye's music knowingly was when i chose to and everything that i've seen or heard about him do in the public eye has seemed so separate from his music so i'm able to enjoy his music you know, in a vacuum. Whereas I cannot enjoy Dave Mustaine's music in a vacuum because I am part of that culture. Mm. And so I am part of that context. And I know that there are plenty of great metal acts that don't have to get on stage and talk about masks being tyranny. So whenever Dave Mustaine does it, I'm like, fuck you. Or same with Ted Nugent or, or whoever, or... Yeah. Or, you know, or years ago, whenever Dave Mustaine got Rotting Christ kicked off of a festival bill in in um, oh, yeah. in Europe because he's all into Jesus now or whatever. And uh -huh. yeah. a fucking like legendary Greek black metal band fucking, you know, gets, you know, like, oh, we're just going to take money and exposure from those guys because I don't like the name of their band. And I'm Dave Mustaine. Fuck you. Um, anyway. I don't have that context. So whatever foolishness Kanye does, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, and maybe it should, maybe, I, I don't know, but, um, yeah, that, that's what I was going to say is like the stuff that I do know about him. It's just like stuff that I've like through osmosis from the news basically, or just cause I don't, I'm also not in the pop culture sphere or like, right. Uh, pay attention to celebrities or anything like that. Right. But, the, the, yeah, everything that I that I know about what he does as far as his views on shit, it all comes from like like news coverage. And shit. Exactly. Yeah, and like and I don't you know I mean my the first time that I ever knew who he was was when there was that Katrina fundraiser. Oh yeah, we, he was up there with uh, Mike Myers. Mike Myers and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Mike Myers was like, can you please send your money? Blah 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 blah. And then Kanye's like, George Bush hates black people. Like he takes a breath and he looks right in the camera and goes. George Bush doesn't care about black people. That, yeah, doesn't care. There and Mike Myers like, I just didn't know. It was just flabbergasted. And 
And at the time, I was like, what a silly man. What a silly, what a silly, silly, stupid man. And now I'm like, well, you know what I mean? It's probably right. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't, like, you don't. So that was 2005. Right. I don't really remember that I had a good place to go check to see what people's reactions were at the time. Well, what I remember, the thing is, is that, you know, when you talk about racism, like right now, I feel like pretty much everyone is on board that is going to be on board with understanding that, you know, systemic racism is a thing. And you you like to hope so anyway. Yeah. It seems know, it seems that the, the tides have turned that way for now. Right. Like the people who aren't like the people who don't get it, like maybe just aren't going to get it. And and that, you know, that's fine or whatever. But that was not the case in 2005. Like we grew up in our our public school education in regards to racism and whatnot was basically like. Yeah, people fucked up their slavery, but then they fixed it and made it better. And then in the 60s, things weren't quite right, but some people marched and, you know, but it's all better now. It's fine. Like, that was sort of how things were taught to us. Yeah. And and basically, like, racism is kind of over. Yes, absolutely. At that that point. That's definitely how it was taught. And, And we were also sort of taught that what racism was, was like lynching someone or killing someone or beating someone just because they were black. And yes. that is all that racism could be. So right around the same time was when uh, James Byrd got dragged to death in Jasper. I think that happened earlier. I think that Was happened, it earlier? I think that happened while we were still in high school. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right around high school. But yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so something like that, even in you know deep East Texas, like my grandparents lived in Jasper, so I was up there all the time. Right. And we were like, that's racist. Because that's violence. And yeah, and everyone was able to sort of say, hey, look, that's what that, that is racist. Right. That's racism. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like denying people home loans is also racism. Yeah. Because, you know, you're making it hard. Like it's, you're just doing these things at a, at a slower rate. You're not going to go out and beat them and kill them, but you're going to like make it harder for them to feed their families. Yeah. And the the systemic part of it, which... You know, it's still hard to convince people of. Well, I mean, and, and and it's hard to understand. It's hard to wrap your head around because you have to sort of, you have to occupy two, two, there's two thoughts that seemingly contradict each other that you have to occupy at the same time, which is you can have racist ideas that are not as bad as you think racism is. And also, and also, racism is worse than you ever could have imagined when those things are put into effect. And those, those ideas are really, you know, because you want to say, oh, well, racism is only putting violence on somebody because they are black or because they are a different ethnicity. Mm. And you have to say, no, 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 no. Racism is also... Um, not getting, you know, getting less, you know, not getting, being less likely to get a callback for a job interview if your name sounds black. Right. Um, so on and so on and so forth and all the, uh, all those types of things. So, um, 
or if you meet or if you meet a black person and you assume they didn't they grew up without their dad or all the you know whatever all these types of things that that are not that are not that are less violent than than killing someone you have to acknowledge that those are that that's also racism mm-hmm. and so it seems like you're saying like, see, like, look, like you, you're just doing a little racism. So racism isn't a bad thing or r- racism isn't as bad as you were taught to think it was. Um, because if if racism is only murdering someone, then you're taught to believe that is the worst fucking thing that you can fucking do. And we're like, no, 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 no. Like racism can also be this thing, which seems minor when an individual does it. But then you also have to, Say, well, what if an entire society does this? Okay, well, now it's not fucking minor. If like, but it's not it's not minor on a personal level. If you know, even if a person does it to a person, it's still very major to them. So, what I'm saying is like, it's not compared to murdering someone, which is what we were taught racism was. Not calling somebody back for a job interview because they have a black quote unquote sounding name Mm -hmm. is less violent than that. So it's like, see like race, like, like, so it's sort of expanding what the word racism means. And, but then the thing is, is that if you said like, okay, well that's not just an individual doing that. That's not just one bad person who's not calling back black people for job interviews. Like that, that's everywhere. Yeah. That's a system. And so that, that is, it could probably be argued that that is worse than a single bad, violent, racist individual. So, or it's at least, you know, like you, it's just as big of a problem, you know, like the, 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 it's, and so. Yeah, it's it, it's it still all falls under the banner of racism, just on different like axes, basically. Yes, absolutely, and I, I guess you know, like there, there's sort of I'm trying to sort of reference what we were taught racism was, which is this very narrow, narrow thing, and that's why you get people see you see people, and I mean, and I've done it too, like getting all up in arms and getting all triggered and all flustered if someone accuses, even comes close to accusing you of doing something racist because you're like, I haven't killed nary a black person i can't be right you know in that because we've sort we've sort of been trained to to almost shut that conversation the fuck down and with extreme prejudice um in in a sense yeah i i guess i don't really remember a lot of like what what i was taught explicitly like I remember gleaning from from family members and and what what you know family members who I was very close to and loved a lot would say about like lazy so and so black person. I'm like, why would you say that? I, I'm like ten years old. Like, what made you want to say that? Like, I didn't know what racism was. Right. But I heard that from people that I loved and respected. I'm like, well, that's not right. So yeah. So it, it was it was a, it's a, there's, I guess yeah. I guess there was a weird double double uh 
front going on there. Like the, the people that you learn from naturally, right. family and friends and whatever, and the, what you're actually taught in school. Right. And then I think also for, for you know, people who are more, you know, such as myself, who are more liberally, more left-leaning inclined, which I've, I've always been that way um, ever since high school, is that because the bar is so low – it's very easy to think that you're not racist just because you don't you don't tell jokes that have the n word in it. Right, that's that's definitely true. And so it's like, nah, man, I'm I I am doomed I, to good work yes. here. I am an ally. Yeah, I, I don't I don't say nary an n word joke. I didn't push that black person off the sidewalk when I walked past them. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I am I, a. a pinnacle of, of uh, justice right and 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 and, and you're not <laughs> um yeah. you know so but uh, but anyway sort of all that to say because i i remember i did I, I it was it was a few years later that i went down to new orleans just because i wanted to go see jazz fest and all sorts of stuff i had mm-hmm. i had sort of fallen in love with that scene yeah. Um, or like New Orleans music specifically and whatnot. And so I went down there and I think to man, 2000, spring of 2010, I think. And I ended up talking to someone who was, because I ended up parking at like a, a elementary school and a woman was there, you know, like raising money for the P, PTA, like letting people park there close to the Jazz Fest grounds or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'd gotten there fucking early um, for whatever reason. Um and so when I was just like hanging out, just talking, and I was like, well, what has it been like, you know, with the Katrina rebuild and all that sort of stuff? And then I remember like, you know, coming up, like it coming, like getting on that subject about, you know, the president's response and all this sort of stuff. And and, and what she told me, I would... I remember what she told me, and then I remember my reaction to it. What she told me was that, you know, like someone knew someone, like somehow they had like an inside line on some information of like what President Bush actually said Mm -hmm. in the moments. And she was like, he said, let those N-words die. And so this woman believed that George Bush had said that, that phrase. Right. And I, and I remember hearing that. I'm mean, like, well, that's absolutely ridiculous, is what I remember thinking at the time. Yeah. And, you know, and I go, and I, and I mean, but I didn't say that at the time because I didn't want to be rude. Um, and, but as I thought about it, the way that it stuck with me was, was that how fucking crazy is it that it feels possible to her that the president of the United States said, let all the people who look like me die. Mm-hmm. And she's like, that seems right. Like someone said that and she was like, that seems right. Right. And then that, that didn't like wake me up all the way, but that like opened the door uh, to, to like, huh. To really think about that from her from her perspective, right? Like, like, oh, we're live, you know, like, to 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 open my mind to that idea of okay, well, we're we're living in two different Americas, you know, right? And 
And so, I mean, it was another like 10 years or something before I would fucking get there. But it, uh, but it was definitely, it was definitely a piece of that. Sure. Sure. So, um, but yeah, man, Kanye makes great music. <laughs> I, I forgot about that whole Katrina thing not until you said that. But as soon as you did, I was like, holy shit. But that's the sort of thing, like, like I was saying earlier, that was 2005. Like that, there was no way to like gauge right. a, a wide reaction on that sort of thing. Right. And, and, the, and you know, and like, oh, but, okay, well, Taylor Swift won a video, won a video award and he said Beyonce should have won it. And then, he, you know, and they, they had uh, some shit going back and forth. And then like, I don't give a shit about Taylor Swift. So I don't care that I don't I don't care about any of that. I don't care that he's I don't care about a Kardashian. I don't care about anything. Like it's all Yeah. And so so yeah, I'm able to enjoy his music completely in a vacuum. And maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. But for whatever reason. So Right. So yeah, man. It's it's it, yeah, I think it's fucking amazing. Yeah. So have you listened to his new album? I haven't yet. I haven't yet. That's what him and Devin Townsend have in, have in common. I have not. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> even though his new record is like two years old, I still haven't listened to the is whole. It? Yeah, Empath. No, no, no. Oh, oh, Devin. Yeah, Devin. Okay. I haven't oh, listened to what? it start to finish yet. Okay, gotcha. So, um, so, but another thing that I was going to mention about Kanye, which is going to come up with the Ed stuff when we get into it, is that. Um, I have a lot of sympathy for like whatever public shenanigans he gets into, I'm going to have sympathy for him because he's legit fucking bipolar. Mm -hmm. And if you're legit fucking bipolar and there is an industry of people around you that are going to make money off of your confidence. <sighs> that's a good point. There's going to be some bad decisions made unless you, I mean... That's fuck. Yeah. If you've got people who, when you're in a given state, can push you further. Yeah. Or just not stop you or, yeah, ju or yeah. just, or that you don't trust to stop you, mm. you know? And I mean, there would just, there would just, there's like 10 things that would have to be exactly right to, for you to never make an ass of yourself. And to never, to never get in over your head and to never do something quote unquote crazy. And sure, you know, and, and on the other side, there's only one thing that has to go wrong for you to do that. So, yeah. I mean, I guess it's a question. Well, I don't know if you're talking about Kanye, it's a question of like, what's the crazy shit he did? What's the goofy shit he did? What's the like boneheaded shit he did? Mm hmm. And then what's the dangerous shit he did? Sure. And there's way less of that, I think, but it, there was still like, dude, what are you fucking talking about? Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like. Yeah, for sure. And I, I honestly, I don't really know enough about any of that to really sort of like on un, to unpack it. And yeah. So, but I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to always have a little bit of sympathy because of or a little bit of I'll, I'll I'm not going to jump to criticize that man because you know for those for those reasons there's another dimension to it there yeah, yeah. and so for sure but uh but yeah so as as good a segue as any yeah speaking of which all right so <laughs> um 
All right, so we're going to deal with this live bullshit. <laughs> um, okay. Your most recent report. Yeah, my most recent fucking report. Um, so we had gotten up to, in the last one, we had gotten up to Secret Samadhi. And it got it got cut off there, which is which is probably a really good cutoff because that's sort of your yes that was your initial sort of checkout. It's kind of where I ended with all my my relationship with the live. Yeah, right. You didn't have much of a of a reference point for them going forward, and so whereas I was like diehard, like I bought everything that came out still, mm-hmm. like a like an abused spouse, and. Mm. Uh, so, so what I'm going to do is I want to sort of do sort of a, a brief kind of overview of the rest of their career after Secret Samadhi, kind of focusing more on the music side of things and just the overall quality of the music. And then I'm going to circle back and we're going to deal with five. <laughs> we're going to deal with Ed. Yeah, and we're going to, yeah, we're going to deal with Ed and Ed's lyrics specifically and oh. and all that. Was, so this interview. Anyway, we'll get there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Um so we're gonna circle back around to get to that. So um can't wait. So we left off, we were talking about distance to here, and I had told a I told like a story about that this that record it was just there was a lot of things happening and this that record sort of was a very synchronous when it came out for me because I had went, my mom, my mom was in college at the time and she went on a field trip to a Buddhist, a Buddhist, a Buddhist, a Buddhist temple. And for whatever reason, she was like, do you want to come to this? I was like, sure. And so spent like a whole afternoon there, hung out and talked to monks and interacted with all these people, did a meditation thing, all this sort of stuff. And, and it really, it it left a really really profound impact on me. It truly truly did, and so I got I got really in. You know that really opened my mind. I had already been very sort of Christian skeptical, you know, for my own reasons mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I had been since I was really young anyway. And I had known about other religions, but just sort of having something like tangible. You know, it it really sort of solidified that, and it and it made getting into those things so much easier. It made reading about them after that experience so much easier because yeah, I had a reference point for sure. And so, and then around that same time, this album came out, and it uses a lot of Buddhist language and B- Buddhist imagery in the album cover, and all that. Um, that was something from the interview that Ed brought up that I didn't, hadn't really thought about. Was the the cover going from Secret Samadhi to this album was just like. Here's a black cover, extremely dour and like plain font going to this, which is like full of life and positivity. Right, and, and a mandala kind of thing yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And and yeah. so so this album is one of my favorite fucking albums of all time. I was really afraid when I did this, when I went back and listened to it, that I was going to just, that it was going to be just so cringy and awful and I just wasn't going to enjoy it. No, man, I, I love this record through and through. I love every note. I love every lyric. I love every song, all of it. I still love it through and through. Uh, it's 
yeah, it holds up. The production on it is great. The arrangements are great. The songwriting is great. It's fucking weird. There's all these weird layers. There's a great use of uh, vo- of like especially keyboards. There's an incredible use of keyboards on this record, which is cannot be said about. Like this is the last record that they do that feels really, really well executed and thought out musically. Mm. Everything else they do after this feels kind of rushed. I mean, they didn't really do much with keyboards before this either, did they? No, none. None. But on this one, there's just, there's like harpsichord solos. There's these, or there's all this like organ stuff that's happening. And it's all really fucking tasteful. And... <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't know if that came through or not. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it didn't, but it's really funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, thanks, Windows. Uh, yeah, thanks, Windows. Uh, and so, and like... Tasty le- organs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but there's just... It just, it felt like... It felt like all of these songs that they had that organic vibe to them you know, where there's like a, they're jamming in the room, but then also there was a lot of thought put into, well, how do we connect this and make something unique? And so like the song Distance is a good example of that because you have a hook in the intro um, that like, let him come into the city, let him find his lucky penny, let him shake it all around, all that sort of stuff or whatever. But then that doesn't show up again till the outro. And so... After this album, if they ever had a fucking hook, there was going to be the chorus. And like, you weren't going to, you weren't going to get a, you know, like you weren't going to, you weren't going to get two really good hooks in the same song, you know, um, you weren't going to get like that kind of density. Mm. And this is a really dense record. And I mean that in the best possible way. And, um, a lot to chew on. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and lyrically it somehow manages to get like the maximum, like, sensual love unity bs and minimal cringe not zero cringe but 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 minimal the cringe factor of five there yeah minimal so some of my my favorite moments on this record are uh how laid back how how laid back and behind the beat dolphins cry is and that's just such a slow weird tempo to have been a rock radio single Mm. it's yeah it's fucking weird yeah um i've talked a lot about how much chad gracie is just a fucking kick-ass drummer um so at the end of the song sparkle he just again he's just like fuck you like just goes pure fucking quarter you know what i mean and and so I love the lyrics in uh, Those Who Stood Up For Love, you know, that that line, we made it to the moon, but we can't make it home. Like that's, to me, that's like, there you go. There, That's that, that's the, the pinnacle of the pop spirituality live lyric. You know, we made it to the moon, but we can't make it home. So, cause you're juxtaposing like technology and civilization and advancement and blah, 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 blah. But we've like lost our path, blah, mm. blah, blah, you know. Um, and so, so yeah, like the, and so the thing is about, about this record is that the drums are aggressive, the guitar is aggressive 
And I think that that's one of the key things about live is that you need this weird balance of like, okay, well, you need some weird lyrics, mm-hmm. okay? Maybe spiritual, maybe not. Right. But something out there, whatever. Cool melody thrown in. Yeah. Um, a song that's weird. Like a song like, I don't know what this is about, or this is about something weird. <laughs> and that, Yeah, that checks out. Or, or this is about something I know, but it's in a really vague, it's in a weird way. Like no one's ever, you know, like, like I Alone Love You isn't a real love song in the way, you know what I mean? Um, no, it's very much not that at all. It's, it's yeah. kind of narcissistic. In it, it absolutely is. Kind of, kind of, come to find out. <laughs> and, and so, and that's sort of like the balance of it. And so on later, on other records, or on, on, on five, that aggression is no longer in the music and it's replaced with like aggression and bravado in the vocals. Mm-hmm. And it and it and it it does that's not the formula, Jack. That's not the that's not the live vibe. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. so okay, so yeah, distance to here, I fucking love it. Nice. Um I put some tracks on there, and made you listen to it. Anything stick out to you? Uh other than like this ain't for me, why did Richard do this? This is as good as it gets. Oh God! <laughs> well, here we go. We've reached the top of the hill. The roller coaster is about to plummet down. No, I mean it's it, it's it's uh it's well made. It's well made, and it is not uh for it's not for me. Right, right, right. Kind of thing. But yeah. but that but it does it does come across as well made to you. Totally, yeah. I recognize that it is like well done mm-hmm. for for what they do. Yeah. That there's like intention. That there's like, oh, that you put a lot of time into this, <laughs> right? You know, you thought about some of this arrangement, you, yeah. Right, right, and I, and so a, a, an interesting, I'll, an interesting thing is that the only live records that I like that I think are good records, <laughs> ah, I'll say that in a second. I'll come back to that. <laughs> um, all right, and then um, I'm going to briefly talk about five. Okay. Okay. This album is extremely confusing. It was confusing when it came out, um, and we're going to come back. I, I think we spent quite a bit of time on this last time, mostly laughing at it. Uh, it ju- just in the forest of confusion, trying to cut our way out. Liter- uh, literally Genesis's land of confusion is where we were for that one. And so so I, I'll just sort of broadly say um, with this one, the songs to, to me – broadly fall into three categories on this record right there's standalone decent songs of which i think there are like three maybe even maybe just two there's ones there's the songs where ed raps and then there's uh songs that are like b-sides for distance to hear Mm. that's like oh well this would have been this was a throw this would have been a throwaway from distance to here, but in the context of all this rap rock stuff, this ain't this ain't so bad. Right. Like I can I can see why you guys cut it from from the last album. I can see how it got here. <laughs> yeah, and I see why you put it on this one. <laughs> right. Because it needed something to, to hold it up. Need some scaffolding. Right. And and so what I will say about this because I listened to some of it today, and and I don't I don't hate the elements of it sonically. Um, you know, the hooks are really good. The melodies are good, you know, but that's never been Ed's problem. Like Ed's always got that. 
Right. You know what I mean? Um, he's a good singer. He is. He is. And he's really good at writing hooks and melodies. Yeah. Um, it's a... it's what he it's it's his lyrics and what those imply about who he is as a person. <sighs> That is that is a li- that that is like that gives you a little pause, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, so, but yeah, but this record is a fucking mess, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna fucking talk about it, and we're gonna go back to it because once we start, it's gonna be hard. So it's called Five. You know, he came up with that. Oh, <laughs> did he? I I mean it's easy, you know, man. A gift to mankind. That Ed. That's that's what he said. That's what he told me. Um, he was very proud. <sighs> it's their fifth album. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> um, something that should be noted about that album is that I think the guitarist Chad Taylor said years later in like a blog or something like that. Like this is on the official record. I uh-huh. forgot exactly what he said. Is that oh well that was those were that was just supposed to be demos, but the record company got a hold of it and wanted to release it. Which I don't know how true that is or how much that's a cop out. Um it's hard it's hard to know because maybe that's how the band felt and 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 you never fuck you never really know how that shit really goes down. Like yeah. maybe that's how the band felt and they were like, yeah, no, we weren't happy with those performances or those songs at all. But Ed was really fucking stoked and used all that and, and you know, used the record company money. And they and the record company was excited because like, oh, this ra- oh Ed wants to rap. Ed's yeah. excited. Yeah, Ed's excited. We're excited. Yeah. So, yeah, we can we can make money off of a rap rock thing, you know. Right. Yeah, exactly. Limp Biscuits doing well and whatnot. Because this was 2001. Yeah. Right before September 11th. Yeah. And so, which this means that live was on the bill at Woodstock 99. They saw the shit that went down with Limbiscuit and they said, we want some of that. <laughs> I'll have what Durst is having. Yeah. That's what that fucking, that's what this fucking means. <laughs> All right. And so then anyway, a few years later, hold on. Props. Props, 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 props. God damn it. Too many. Um, too, yeah, too many is the correct answer for, yeah. for live albums. This one specifically. Yeah, and so then like two years later, they did uh, they did this cat, Birds of Prey. And this is just a, a straight-ahead kind of a phoned-in record. It's not bad, but it's very, it's very just guitars, drums, vocals, and bass. There's not a lot of thought put into it. Or I don't want to say there's not a lot of thought put into it, but there's... It doesn't come close to distance to here as far as um, like it's the kind of record that you say in the press like, yeah, we just went back to basics. But what you mean is, well, we don't really live in the same state anymore. And so and we don't don't, practice either. And we don't really like each other. So we just wrote this in the studio. And because, uh, you know, we're on a smaller label now. We uh, had we didn't have three months in the studio like we did with Distance to Here. We had like three weeks, and so we just kind of we just kind of hoofed through this shit. We didn't have time to put all those sweet organ parts on this. Right, we had to get this out the door. Yeah, yeah. and so I mean, but again, you know, there's still great performances from from the band, 
You know, the band is still there, kind of. They're there. They're more here than they were on Five, but they're still here, more or less. Less so than on Distance to Here, but they're still there. Um, there's still great drumming. There's still good melodies. I like some of the songs. I, I genuinely like some of the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to repeat something that I said in the last time we talked was like, mm-hmm. I never had a single bad thing to say about the band themselves. Right. Like always solid performances, like just good, good, solid rock band. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. And they, yeah. they have like their, their, their unique personalities, you know, but they, you know, and they, whenever they're doing their thing really well, which to me like distance to here is like the pinnacle of it or throwing copper, mm-hmm. you have those personalities shining through where there's a bass hook, there's a guitar hook, there's a hook from the drums and all of these are still also supporting the song very well. And that's the the magic of it, right? right? Uh, which doesn't, which that sort of happens less and less as the albums progress. And so, but yeah, I don't hate this record. When I came out, when it came out, I think I was mostly just relieved that Ed wasn't rapping anymore. Fair. But it still, it was still like, still a little like... This is a little, it's a little straight ahead. This is a little, you know. Yeah. These songs aren't weird. Like, there's no weird lyrics here, really. And therefore not particularly interesting. Yeah. Yeah, like, there's one where he goes full boomer. Uh Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me find it. Let me find it here. You know. We can go ahead and spend a few minutes on this, because there's not that much to say. Um... So, yeah, so it's the song uh, Life Marches On, okay? Okay. So, in the country, the farms and orchards swell with orchards and peaches and a little bit of truth as well. In the city, so this is a thing that comes up with him thematically, lyrically, like, you know, in place A, they do shit right. In place B, they do shit wrong. There's a song on five we'll talk about later where it's like in the east and in the west. Here, so this is what you might call a comparison. A comparison, yeah. It got very good at these. And so here, you know, now he's not comparing east and west. He's comparing urban and rural. Mm-hmm. And so in the city, politicians beat their drum. All the suits come around, running. It's all degradation. They do do that. They do be doing that. And so. And in the in the country, we get none of that. Yeah, so in the country, you have truth. Uh-huh. And orchard and orchards and orange and peaches. And in the city you have politicians and degradation. Fruit and truth. And then and then politics and rot. In the country, everybody thinks we're dumb, but we built the fire. No, Why I, why'd you come and get some? I think that's not true at all. I think in the country they think they're very smart. I think the city is where they think the country people are typically dumb. It's that's typ- what he's saying. Usually how it goes. That's are you being facetious? No. Okay. Because <laughs> well, he said in the country, people think we're dumb. Or smart. What do you say? No, no, no. He says in the country, everybody thinks we're dumb. Right. Like. So who's we in this case then? The people in the country. He's saying he's in the country. In the country, everybody thinks we're dumb. Okay. Because it makes it sound like he's saying in the country, that's where they think we're dumb. That's not what he's saying. Okay. Ed is beyond me. Ed is beyond me. (laughs) I'm no match. I know Ed speak. Um, (laughs) That is what those words mean. Gotcha. What you're saying. Is it like, yeah, out here in the country, 
everybody in the country thinks that we in the country are dumb. Okay, okay. But that's not what he means. Okay. He's saying here in the, in the country, everybody not in the country thinks that we in the mm. country are dumb. Ah, mm. uh, Ed. That's you, what he's Sly saying. dog. But we built the fire. Why'd you come and get some? Like, whatever. And so what else is interesting, too, about this whole city-rural juxtaposition is that this is a theme throughout some of their other songs. It comes up in Shit Town and mm. Throwing Copper, which is just this very in kind of like an endearing ode almost um, because it's not really judgmental. It's not terribly judgmental. You know, it's just like, yeah, I live in a shit town. The Weavers live down the street from me. You know, something, something, something. It's just, it feels very observational. Mm -hmm. And but, they, they're from like small town Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. But then on the next record, on Secret Samadhi, you know, there's a... Uh... Gashead? No. It's a... Is oh, rattlesnake? Rattle, rattlesnake. Yeah, Right, yeah, yeah. where I think it's like this meta commentary about how stupid people in the country are. Right. And so this is like a thing that he seems to flip-flop between. Hmm. Um, I'll read a, just a few more. Um, well, maybe, maybe Rattlesnake then is its very high concept, uh, you know, takedown of that point of view. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's a... It's, it's a right, Ed? Right. It's mm -hmm. classist inception. Um, <laughs> so in the country, the stars shine brighter than in the city. That's that's the big hook of the bridge in this song, you know, um, which is like, I see what you're doing there. All in that. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's less light pollution. But you're not talking about those kind of stars, are you, Ed? Um, <laughs> Could be both. And he, he, here's here's it. This is it. This is it. This is where he goes full boomer. In the city, I turn on the radio. Only leaves me with the question, what happened to our generation? Mm. This is 2003. Like, this, I don't, how, this motherfucker's like in his 30s. Yeah, I was gonna say, he's, yeah, yeah. At this point, like, what happened to our generation? You know? And, and, uh, so, so yeah, like, full boomer. Um, it's just, it's just, it's weird. And, um, there's another track on here. That like that I'm gonna talk about because I'm not gonna come back to it. Called Sanctity of Dreams, which is a nice hook, it's a nice vibe and stuff like that. But the lyrics are just garbage. So paint a mustache on the Mona Lisa. Now, if you've ever, if you know Ed Kowalczyk, like have a have a have a mental picture of him. Take a take a picture of like, hmm, and imagine what he would be doing. Okay, paint a mustache on the Mona Lisa. Ride a Harley through the heart of danger. Pick up a pen and fight a war for the right to dream. I was 17. So you think you think Ed's riding a Harley through the heart of danger like Brendan Fraser in The Mummy or some shit? <laughs> Ed is no Brendan Fraser. Let me tell you something right Who now. Who the fuck is? Brendan fucking Fraser is. Give up my house, sleep for nights on concrete. Meditate with all the bums on Vine Street. No more running, no more hiding in the house of the dead. I think I'll grow some dreads. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then the, the, the big hook of the chorus is, you know, or the, the last line is society will never dream like me. You know, 
I believe that society will never dream like me, never dream like me, blah, blah, blah. Society will never dream like me. And so I'm just using that as like an exhibit into how highly Ed seems to think of himself. Yeah. Um, I don't get the feeling that Ed has ever, you know, small town Pennsylvania is one thing. I don't get the feeling that Ed has ever set foot in the country nor in the city where the bums be meditating. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's, I mean, but this is the thing. And I'm, I'll talk, I'll, I'll get more into this is that I didn't like, now I hear that. I'm like, that's fucking dumb. <laughs> but I didn't think that in 2003 because I was pretentious enough to think that I also would ride a Harley through the heart of danger <laughs> and that I also would meditate with bums. Um, <laughs> Like I had, like I really had, like I had something to teach them. Like, oh, let's meditate. I've meditated three times before. I went to a temple once. I know the way. Mm. You don't understand. I'm a white man. I only need to be shown things once. <laughs> um, uh, well, okay. So at least you didn't write this song. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> you didn't go that extra mile. Ed, Ed had to. <laughs> yeah, it was it was compulsive. <laughs> um, compelled beyond his will mm -hmm. um yeah and so uh so yeah so that's birds of prey um songs from black mountain is one of the worst albums i've ever heard <laughs> <laughs> moving on um that that album is a five is at least interesting Everything that you put on that list from black mountain to listen to was painfully boring and if or outright just like god awful lyrically. It's bad. Um, it's a it's lazy. Um, every song is in a boring ass mid tempo. None of them have a fucking bridge. There's not a bridge on that fucking record. There's not a <laughs> single bridge. They just stop. They just like stop playing the fucking second chorus for fucking four bars and then go back into it. That's all they fucking do. Um, it's all gross. The lyrics are terrible. Sophia, I need you like a junkie needs a vein. Fuck you. Um, and and I right. I I had to like, <sighs> yeah. And then this it's you know, think of Jesus, think of the Buddha, love, 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 blah, blah. We can all be free. And it's like it's all word salad, citizen of the world bullshit. And you know, and like oh my daughters, oh they made me see the love and bring out the best. Like dude, don't dude stop. Like don't. Leave the innocent out of this. <laughs> don't use your, don't blame your daughters for writing such a shitty song. Like don't, don't use them as an excuse for this fucking crap. Um, and there's like a generic, like bring the soldiers home song, which is kind of weird because on the previous record, there was a, like, what are we fighting for song? So, so th there was one of those on black mountain you're saying? Yeah. There's like, like, when are they coming home? Okay, so and then there was one on Birds of Prey as well? No, no, no. On Birds of Prey, there was a What Are We Fighting For? Okay, and then on this one, there was the one that they put out for free for 9-11. Yeah, Overcome. Overcome. Th 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 that one, there's not really... Not, that's not so much thematic. No, no, no. Okay. And, but on Distance to Here, there is a uh, Those Who Stood Up for Love, like where it's like, you know, who put the flower in the barrel of that gun? You know, uh, who would house all the refugees in a single shack or a lonely bungalow? So it's, they've, it's just, it was, it's like, it's weird to sort of like now don't get me wrong okay like i hmm, you don't normally have a there's nothing wrong like 
I do not have a problem with with the uh, bring troops home sentiment and like because uh-huh. they're fucking they, they are they are people and they have families and they they don't you know their lives should not be risked for what they're being risked for yeah and and so I, I this is not about me wanting to shit on veterans right. and say they're all hired killers or some shit like that or whatever. But it is atypical for a band that typically has an anti-war kind of slant and branding to also have a bring the troops home kind of song, I guess. Or when they – because it's not like get off your ass and bring them home. It's like when are they coming? You know, it's a, it's a different thing. It's, it's, a, it's like a three doors down song. I, I was just going to invoke – the three yeah 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 it's it's you know like it's a conservative rock song you know i mean that's what it is um but yeah like i don't i mean yeah it's you know it is the worst record that i know all the lyrics to (laughs) um and it and it and and, and to me too because at the time this was around the time that i started to play in churches a lot Mm. and so and i was like this is like a this is almost a praise and worship record. Like, this is weird. Um, or it almost, because I had listened to like some David Crowder records and and like, the, it, it played almost like, because the way that those guys were putting out records, they would have like two or three songs on there that are like, all right, well, this is going to be the songs that I hope make it into uh, church services and that I get all the publishing rights for and all that sort of stuff. But then the rest of the music would be like, the rest of the songs would be like their art, not not their art songs, but it's like, yeah, I don't expect this to get played in church, but this is Christian-ish or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, this songs from Black Mountain had that kind of vibe to it. And so, I mean, look at the cover of it. Yeah, I was just going to say. That's like, that's real Jesus Christ pose. That's real close. And look at this. <sighs> um. So mm. come to the water. But yeah, so anyway, this was like in 2006. The band basically disassembled after this. And um you know, the band went on and did this band called The Gracious Few, uh which is with Kevin Martin from Candlebox, which is sort of like a, you know, it's worthless too. It's like a southern rock kind of thing. It's nice. It's not it's not terrible. There's almost like a Led Zeppelin-ish feel to it at times. Mm-hmm. But um but yeah, so um, I'll read from the Gracious Few Wikipedia article. <laughs> On November 30th, 2009, Taylor Dahlheimer, that's the bassist, and Gracie issued a statement announcing that Live had disbanded following the departure of lead singer Ed Kowalczyk and that the Gracious Few was now their main focus. Their statement alleged that Kowalczyk had demanded, demanded a $100,000 lead singer bonus to appear with the band at the 2009 Pink Pop Festival and had obtained sole publishing rights to the band's songs without the knowledge of the other three band members. Man. So I don't know. The whole like lead singer bonus or whatever, that that sounds and looks terrible, but but getting the band's publishing rights without their knowledge. Dude, yeah. That is that's like I'm taking money away from your kids and grandkids level shit. Yeah. And so that's all this that we've worked hard for for 20 years. This is mine now. 
Right. Because I wrote the lyrics. I'm the guy. Right. And so, you know, there's no way for any of us to really know all the details of that. But if any of that's true, that's real fucked up. Yeah. No doubt. And so, so anyway, and then, so then Ed put out a solo record called Grace, which I listened to. It's, it's better than songs from Black Mountain. Um, it's more cohesive than that. I almost kind of wonder if he was like trying to save his good songs for his solo career. Right. Because you have to imagine at this point, they're like completely button heads. Like probably nothing's going to go right. 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 Or, or just, yeah, like they're, <clears throat> I don't, I don't know. And, um, yeah. And like, and I don't, I don't like, there's a, there's this weird thing because he goes, he goes full born again. Okay. Mm. And that I think happened on songs from black mountain. And, and so the, you know, his record grace, his solo record was sort of like living in that in between, you know, trying to like, Oh, I'm a, I'm like, Oh, I'm a secular record, but I'm going to go and play at churches and do these like low key acoustic things at religious conferences and stuff like that. And man, I fucking hate. So like, Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. but, you know, just that, like, let the whiskey, you know, the whiskey was my water and shit like that. And it's like, I just, I hate, there's this really weird thing in Christianity. It might just be an evangelical Christianity um, or things that come out of like the Southern Baptist tradition, like a lot of the non-dominational modern churches where, you know, like they want, they want a testimony, you know, they want a testimony from you. You Mm want to, they want to, they want to hear a nice story about how you were living in sin and then you found Jesus. And, and so like a song where you're talking about whiskey was my water and shit like that. And it's like, I was so lost. It's like, I just, I don't, it all feels very performative. Yeah. To me. Yeah. And I, in my raw, in my rawness, I wrote, I was like, Ed is that kid in high school that seemed edgy because he was reading about philosophy and Buddhism, but ended up wearing a vest over a t shirt and preaching at a non denominational pseudo conservative <laughs> church. <clears throat> uh, so, anyway, yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, but, uh, and yeah, and that movie, that, that album's really generic music, musically. And that's another thing about songs from Black Mountain. Like that, that, the music on, on that album could have been recorded by anybody. Sure. You know, there's, there's one song on there where it's like, starts off with like a cool guitar thing. It's not even greater revolution. It just sounds like a U2 thing. Like, and it goes off for like three seconds and Ed nopes the fuck out of it. It's, it's like, you know, starts. Doesn't happen again. Right. And so then, um, that, that's what I'm saying though. Like, I feel like for this album, they were in such bad shape with one another that all of their good material both ways went to their separate to their uh, uh, respective albums. Well, maybe so, maybe so. Like I, I guess like the thing is, is that the, there's nothing on the Gracious Few that really felt like a live record to me. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily feel like those guys were saving stuff up. Sure. Um, or maybe they just weren't able to write good stuff at all right yeah i don't know and um so then so then in 2014 
the band put out a record without Ed. And this is one of the four really good live records. Um, lyrically, it's lyrically, it's not a fucking mess. The melodies and hooks aren't aren't there, are are, are not as prevalent as they are with Ed. That is missing mm-hmm. for sure. But the 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 vibe is there. The songs are decent enough, you did, know. Did you put some of that on the playlist? It's not on Spotify. Okay. Oh, right, 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 right. I think I sent you a YouTube link. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, there's a few songs on there like this is fucking great. This is primo. This is what I want from this band. And I and I really feel like you got to give credit to Chris Shin, the guy who replaced Ed, for being able to sound make up make to do vocals and lyrics that sound like live without sounding like Ed. Mm-hmm. And so kudos to that dude for doing a really difficult fucking job. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great record. Now, here's what's interesting. What what all those records have in common, okay, is that they were all produced by Jerry Harrison of Talking Heads. Right, right. So, um, and I'm going to double check just to make sure I don't I don't fuck this up. But but yeah, like it was let's see. Yep, Jerry Harrison. And so he produced he produced Mental Jewelry, Throwing Copper. He didn't do Secret Samadhi. Right. He did Distance to Hear. He did not produce Five. He did not produce Birds of Prey. He did not produce Songs from Black Mountain, but he did produce The Turn. And so I think those are the I think those are the only four actual good live records. Talking Heads were a great band. <laughs> there you go, man. Like, and so I think it's just I think that that was really interesting yeah, when I yeah. when I kind of came across that and connected that. And you know, man, sometimes some bands just need an editor. Totally. You know, like yeah. someone needs to. Sometimes you just need someone there to to let you know. You know when you're when you're on to something like right. w- like okay that's the thread keep pulling on that thread, mm-hmm. and and maybe that's what Jerry was for the band and specifically for Ed right. of like, Nope, you had it right there. Keep doing that, you know? So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I could see that. All right. So now we're going to talk about five. <laughs> talk about Ed. So you, I, I sent you an interview Yes, you did. So this was an interview from what was Awake? Was that a DVD release? Yes, that they did? That came out. That came out in between Birds of Prey and Songs from Black Mountain. So, have you seen the DVD itself? I own it. So on the DVD, are these clips interspersed with like footage of the band or, or videos or something like that? No, it's it's all just one shot like that. I think so. So so that means that there was crazy. That like that means that there was other shit that he said that they were like. Don't don't put totally don't put that in there. But not only that, the stuff that they did put in there, yeah, them motherfuckers <laughs> knew that he sounded crazy, and they edited it to uh, to be more obvious. You think so? I definitely know I, so. I think that. What if that was the best they could get? <sighs> I, maybe it's both. 
Because there are absolutely parts where the five thing is a, is a great example mm-hmm. because they're, they're just going on about stuff. And at the very end of the, of the conversation about five, before they move on to, to birds of prey, they cut back to him at a different part of the interview. And he's like, that's our fifth album. It's called five. I came up with that. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, it, it's our fifth album. So it's called five. And for the first time throughout all of this, you hear the interviewer say, who came up with that? The, the lady, she asked him and he goes, I did. <laughs> Me. And then they cut. That's it. That was the whole clip. That was all from that part of the conversation that they put in there. They fucking knew. What I thought was hilarious is whenever they brought up, there was only one other thing they said about five, which is like, we gave away the song Overcome. Right. They don't talk about a single other fucking track on that record. They don't talk about a single thing. Right. So an overarching, uh, uh, okay, so, so. I'm sure that there was more said that they cut or that they didn't include at the mm-hmm. very least. Ed did not ever mention the other members of this band one time. He didn't. In this whole interview. <laughs> he sure didn't. He talked about like the music being heavy. He talked about Lakini's juice going, duh, 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 and he didn't even get the rhythm right, really. He didn't get the feel. I was like, what the fucking song? I think he didn't even. <laughs> so, uh, so. Nah, one of the Chads plays that part. I don't <laughs> fucking know it. Right. But, but. <laughs> But every time he was talking about their songs, he was talking about it strictly from a lyrical perspective and from a mood, pers- never music at all. Never mm. didn't mention those other guys once. Mm. Not even once. I didn't pick up on that, but you're right. Man. Um, this interview well, is fucking nuts, dude. It is trippy. And, and um, so there, there was a whole lot. There was a, there was a lot in, in, that, in, yes. that, in that clip. So... Um, <laughs> So the thing where they're like talking about just being kids caught in the music and once in a while, like you stick your head up and seeing like, oh, well, we're on magazines. How about that? Like trying to like play this shit down. It's like, dude, you recorded your second album in Jamaica. Like you fucking, you said, hey, we like, that costs a lot of money. That costs a lot. Like you could do it now for a lot cheaper. You know, because you could record a whole full length with like what I got fucking laying around here. Like we we can fit this in fucking it just get any room in fucking Jamaica. Right. Um, you, I don't think you could do that in 1994, 95, when they would have been recording Secret Samadhi. Like way tougher, far more unlikely. So like you're talking like you're talking like I, I I don't know. You're I wouldn't be surprised if you're talking like. Hundred thousand dollars, couple hundred thousand dollars, to to get that record made, you know. Like, don't fucking give me this. Like, we didn't know we were famous. Well, as Ed mentions in the interview, he may not have known how much this actually cost because he makes it a point to say, "Well, you know, we just had people paying our bills for us oh, and getting say, our groceries for he us. Did say that. We didn't actually know how to live as people." <laughs> <laughs> he makes it a point to say, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so it's entirely possible he had no idea what it cost. <sighs> that's a, that's a, Jamaica's just a place you can go sometimes if you want to. <laughs> that's, a very, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, Ed, Ed comes off in this interview as lit- – uh, it was something that you said the last time, but this like exemplified it was – He's just a kid who never, you know, 
for for good or ill, he just kind of never learned how to grow up. And he says as much in this interview. He does say that. Where he he says, I you know, uh, something something. I felt like a I felt like a seventeen year old, and now here I am at thirty something, and I still feel like a seventeen year old inside. I'm like, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, there, yeah, and there, there's there's good. That's not a t- that's not a a inherently bad thing, right? Because whenever people say that and they mean it in a, in a good way, what it's saying is that I I feel like I am able to touch the open mindedness and fearlessness of being creative and taking risks of of a you know I'm not as I am I'm not just, completely cynical or jaded or right any of these um, things yeah but but the other thing is that when you're you know. Man, the downside of it is thinking that like a 17 year old thinking that you already know everything and that you're invincible. Yeah. And and that you are able to know everything. Yeah. And that's the negative side of it. That's the... yeah. It, that, that, that feeling is not inherently bad, but based on everything else Ed says in this interview about how he thinks and what he what he looks for and what he enjoys about the job and all these other things. It makes it very clear that he is just kind of he has ne- never grown up from that seventeen year old kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I mean, and and again, like in a sense, you can't you can't blame him for being in that spot because it's like, yeah, you got famous as a twenty year twenty year old for thinking the things you thought when you were twenty. Yeah. So you know, I guess this is what happens when you let that guy make it to thirty four, <laughs> um, and. So there's an aspect of that, but also at the same time, you know, I think that you should have some responsibility to be like, okay, I know that most people don't have, I know that most people need to know what things cost and have to go get their groceries. So I need to do something so I can get fucking grounded. You, you know, you should know. Um, I know those recording budgets fucking, fuck, fucking got smaller as those albums went along. I hope that grounded them. Um, yeah, because you have to imagine he's wondering like, well, why can't we get the bigger studio? Why can't we get the, bigger, the bigger what studio? Do you mean we only have three weeks to record. What do you mean? Just, just sing the song. Well, what? Why not? Okay, fine. Yeah, and like, I don't know. Like, there's something to. Let me see what I was trying to this about this interview. Was like, he's trying to talk about. Okay, I'm I'm gonna try to get this across without sounding really classist and elitist here. Um, So there's something to him talking about these deep philosophical things, but not going to college. Um, And what, and it's, but just hear me out. Okay. Um, And so that might be a possible path for the hubris to to sneak in. Now there's plenty of fucking arrogant, stupid assholes that finish college. Oh yeah. Um, But, like what I'm going to getting at is that if you are going to like, if you're going to like, Hey, I am going to study philosophy. That's, that's a really difficult thing to do on your own. Or I'm going to study this, this religion that I have no real cultural reference for. Like you're only going to be able to see that through your own cultural lens. And so just reading one Krishnamurti book is not going to be enough like you're going to you're going to have to immerse yourself in that in a certain sense and you're and you're going to have to you know you're going to have to have your 
perspective challenge, you're going to have to be told like, no, you don't have that right. Um, here in your third paragraph, you said this is this, and that's not what that means. That's not what Buddhism is saying. And da, da, da. like you're gonna, and I think that, I think that maybe there's a through line there of that he perhaps has sort of always, you know, maybe maybe that's what it is. It's a kind of a shallow spirituality, but it was, but his shallow like ten percent spirituality was more than what 90% of people were doing. So it, it you know, it would still work on us at parties in the 90s. Sure. Is, <laughs> sure, exactly, I think, is, I think that's exactly right. Uh, you know what I mean? And like, I'm not trying to say like, oh, you know, he's a shooter because he didn't finish college. That's, that's way too simplistic, but right. I... I see what you're saying. Yeah. But, you know, if you would have taken a... If you would have had the opportunity, the privilege, the luck to take a really good philosophy class from a really good philosophy professor, you would, you you would have some checks and balances in place <laughs> the, on, on uh, before some of these ideas got out of hand. Like the the way the things that he says in this interview and the way he comes off, uh, he it I mean it just sounds like a dude who heard about this stuff once, yeah, and, and then talk maybe had a conversation or two. And he's he's really good at because there are people who are really good at um, uh, not picking up on but like remembering ideas. Sure, you don't even really know what it is that you're referring to when you when you talk about the thing, but you know what about the thing. You know about the thing. You don't know the thing. Right, right, right. And like I, you, like I, you can take those. You know, it's like how a, you you can take the words that are used to wrap that idea up, and you can sort of start. You can like rearrange them, and you can kind of start to use them. Yeah. The way you know, because you're you because maybe you're just really charismatic and you're good at talking. Yeah, and that's very much how he comes off in this interview. Sure, sure. Like he he never actually learned all this stuff, but he knows about it. So some of my favorite pretentious things he said in that interview. <laughs> my top 10 list. Are, um, I wish I'd kept a fucking list because there are so many good ones. I still have so much to learn from the songs I've written. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, the, the look on his face when he said it, too. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I wish they would have had both cameras set up so I could see the person he was talking to. Hmm. <laughs> I, I so wish, yeah. Probably maybe look like Mike Myers. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, we've always had an incredible relationship with our female fans. The fact that we're loud doesn't bother the ladies. Oh. So you can read that line, but until you hear him say it and the way that he says it, mm -hmm. it's so much scummier, dude. Yeah, it is scummy. It's it's and and I, I remember so as I was like ending up like on um you know, like different YouTube videos and comment threads and shit like that. Like I, I remember seeing, there seemed to be a little bit of a consensus. Like I saw, I saw this idea, like, I mean, <clears throat> this is fucking hearsay, of course, uh -huh. but it corroborates with this in a certain sense of like, cause I think it was on, someone was talking about like stuff on the turn, you know? And they're like, yeah, man, these guys are great, blah, blah, blah. You know, like I had a chance to meet them. They were all really cool and really, really nice. And then like, someone was like, yeah, you know, Ed was really cool until there was a hot, hot girl around or something like that. So someone had, th you know, someone was throwing that idea out there and whatnot, which then given some of the lyrics on five, make, make that 
makes things like that a little, a little, because, you know, all the other, all the other records, you know, he's like just a very sensual, seems like just a very sensual, loving man. Oh, he knows that. And whatnot. Like it could, but it could seem like, it could seem like all of the love aspects of it are maybe just directed at like one person. Like it's just to his high school sweetheart who, who eventually was his wife. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Like I want to dance with you and blah, 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 entwined and blah, 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 you know? But on five, what he sings about it, it becomes very, it's like, it's, oh, oh, you're talking about like fucking girls at a club and like, right. you know, you know, bow, bow, everybody at the hotel and shit like that. And it's like, <laughs> right. Like it's a different, it's a different fucking thing going on there. Like th- that's another that's another aspect of it just doesn't feel like he ever really grew up because that's, right. that's the kind of way that a 17 year old would talk about women yep yep um and he um uh, um uh, <laughs> i'm so excited to read this next one shit what were you okay well go ahead go ahead yeah you sure carry on yes this is uh, so not really into politics <laughs> My forte as an artist is to affect people's inner space. Inner space, yes. Uh, and, you know, bands like System of a Down, Rage Against the Machine, they have a good minds for that. They're smart people about that sort of thing. Right. Yeah, and then... Uh, it's, it's not that I... What did he say? It's not that I don't think it's... He didn't say important, but he said... Yeah, he didn't, he didn't try to brush off political music as being less than right but it was weird the way he said it because he was like to me it's not that it doesn't seem valid he didn't say important he said like valid Mm. so he didn't he didn't acknowledge that political music was important okay but he said it's not for him it was just a weird yeah yeah yeah. roundabout way to say i don't fucking care about it or whatever or, or, or to you know and like this like i'm gonna humble brag and like what i think is more important is people's inner space yeah and what maybe. you see in there is you see a little seed of new age bullshittery which is change yourself and you'll change the world Mm, mm, mm. which is like why what is so problematic about those philosophies and why they work so synergistically with people who don't want to acknowledge racism mm. is because it's like no man it's your fucking problem right. you know and if you want the world to be a better place you need to clean your own room you know and you need to make yourself better and then that will elevate the consciousness of the world and and like <clears throat> you know and it's like there's no amount of me making myself better that's going to make people more likely to call me back for a job interview if my name happens to be Jamal. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, that shit's outside of that person's control. And that type of philosophy um, doesn't, doesn't have a way to account for that. Right. You know? So... Um, oh, so the, the other thing that I was going to bring up was back, back to the sensual stuff because he he made a point to bring that up as well as how how sensual music is and how yeah. sexual it is for uh-huh. him but the the faces that he was making while he was saying this presumably to the reporter who again i wish i could have seen her reactions to this uh-huh. were just the, the like creepy like i don't want to there are aspects of of how he's saying things and the things that he says that come off as like 
you're a fucking pickup artist. But he, but I don't think he is. I don't think he is. But the, there are aspects of it that, you know, it, but it's just, it's creepy. And it's like, I don't know if he fully knows. I think he's just being himself. Right. Uh, and, right. And it's, um, yeah, like charisma is a weird thing because <laughs> right. when it works, it works. But then when you try to be that person when it's not working and you don't and you can't tell that it's not working because <laughs> right. I've been that guy. It's you, you know, looking back, it's like, oh, dude, that's creepy as fuck. Like that's that's <laughs> awful. And that's like narcissistic and extremely self-centered and, yeah, yeah. you know, like not knowing your audience because you think that you're the lead character all the fucking time. Right. And so, so yeah, I'm glad you watched that interview because it's, uh, you know. Dude, that was, that was a hell of a trip, thing. trip, right? Hell of a thing. Here's another random, random yes. thing. A yeah. stunning study in ego gone awry. <laughs> just, just, just Ed thoughts, Ed things. <clears throat> oh, so I was very, I was very uh, keen after I watched the interview to scroll down to the comments of the YouTube video and see. Oh, yeah. What were those like? I didn't look at any of that. I, I wanted to see what people, you know, how crazy did people think Ed had been portrayed here? Because I thought he was very fucking crazy. But no, by and large, the comments were like, yeah, Ed, you're great. Stick it to him, Ed. You tell him. We love you, Ed. <laughs> you, you tell him. <laughs> Stick it to him. It, it was just the fucking, the Truman Show, who the fuck are you talking to gif. It was, it was, mm. I, I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm sure he's got a fan base that's never going away, and that's right. What and, do you that, and and that's what's kind of weird for me too is I don't know any of those fucking people. Sure, sure. I I my whole experience with loving this band and loving this music has happened completely, <laughs> right? On on my own and with the unfortunate girls that I, <laughs> <laughs> the the poor souls that I dated in the 2000s, whom I subjected to uh, distance to hear ad nauseum. I didn't make them listen to the other shit. <laughs> um, but I made them listen to Distance to Hear. So I'm sorry <laughs> if you're listening. Um, I'm, I'm sure I made a few of them listen to this one, to Birds of Prey too. Because I was like, look, it doesn't suck. <laughs> um, but definitely lots of, made them listen to lots of Distance to Hear. So yeah, yeah. my apologies. Um, <sighs> all right. <sighs> Save the worst for last. All right. Um. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the moment when things went wrong. So um, I've got this little, I found this article, and they really, they, they mentioned something about five where, and I like the way that they say, say this. You know, by 2001, rock music had come to be dominated by the testosterone, heavy posturing of new metal and rap rock acts. Live's emotive rock, much like fellow 90s groups such as Counting Crows, was beginning to seem antiquated. And so their new release, Five, found Live awkwardly trying to find a place in this new landscape. Ed Kowalczyk spoke, to, spoke of hearing Limp Biscuit at a party and really, quote unquote, getting it. <laughs> um, you got it the first single off of the album Simple Creed was revved up and featured a rap verse from Tricky and Deep Enough was based around clumsy and unconvincing 
bravado. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So, on that note, we should read some of these lyrics. Clumsy and unconvincing bravado. So, uh, I'm just going to be reading some shitty lyrics for a few minutes. So I believe a word that you mentioned a number of times uh, previous session was braggadocious. Braggadocious. So, um, I think that, but I think this is important because so, um, there's this guy named uh, Robert Evans who uh, he does like the um, Behind the Bastards podcast, and and a bunch of other ones. Anyway, great journalist does incredible stuff. He. Well, sometimes when he doesn't have an idea for an episode, he'll just take some random shitty book and him and some friends will just read chapters from it, like a Ben Shapiro book. And right. they'll, they'll just like pick a page randomly on the Kindle and they'll read out of it and then they'll make fun of it and have a good old fucking time. Cool. And so something that he says is that someone who like before anyone runs for office that they should be forced to write a novel so that you so that you get to know what they really fucking think. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? And so... I almost feel that's what that's what writing rap is like in a sense because I mean I don't really because I don't know it's just it's such a vulnerable it's just you it's just you and you can't say no the meaning is in the the la da 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 da's you can't say no 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 man it's in these fucking words and so I don't think you can hide in it too much. Like if someone, you know, like if someone's like, hey, man, you got like, like if you got to talk for fucking three hours, you know, you know, there's not as many places to hide. So, yeah. So I feel, I feel, that's the thing, right? Is that I feel like what is so problematic to me about this record is that I, I think that, I think that Ed meant all this. Hmm. Simple Creed. So, born with your back to the God that spit you out on the riverbed. Angry at who? Me? You better back up, fool. I bet you took a gun to school, too. But now, nobody's taking your candy. You just keep on living this tragedy. la da 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 To each his own. But I wait for you to take my hand. Because we need each other. We got to love each other. And second verse continues on pretty similar. You know, you better back up full and be grateful that the real me is always hiding from you. Now, nobody's taking your bicycle. Maybe somebody should take your microphone. Something, something, something. But I wait for you to understand that we need each other. We got to love each other. And so this is fucking weird and gross to me. Um... (laughs) Because in it, I, f- I feel like it's kind of like the nucleus of, though that, that verse is like the nucleus of like, okay, well, here's his interpretation of what hip hop is. It's singing fast and talking shit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and beating your chest, you know, and that's it. That was another thing that I guess got cut off last time was Ed's version of rapping just seems to be him singing a little bit faster than right normal right not not adding any additional like flair or uh, uh 
anything else really at all. Yeah, right. Yeah, and 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 so, so just to address, um, yeah, yeah, man, yeah, because, fuck, <laughs> it's just it's just so much. It's just so much. It's overwhelming. Um, so like when you hear Corey Taylor rap on like Spit It Out. Uh. Or something like that. It's like, oh, that motherfucker really fucking listens to rap music. <laughs> like he wasn't, he didn't get that from Fred Durst. You know what I mean? Like he got that from somewhere else. Yeah. Or if you listen to like the the Machine Head songs where Rob raps, like on Burning Red and shit like that. It's like, oh, well, he fucking listens to Easy E. You know what I mean? Like it's there's a clear like love of the genre in there or whatever. And it's or at least some experience with the genre. Yeah, <laughs> at the very least. <laughs> and and it and it stayed with their artistic identity, right? Like, yeah, Rob never like completely put down his hip hop influence. You know what I mean? Neither did Corey Taylor. Yeah. Um, someone else who I thought like did it well was Justin Furstenfeld from Blue October. You know, there's this record, Any Man in America, where he there's just straight up fucking rap songs, but he was using it as a tool to express that whole, you know, like bipolar fucking schizo sincerity, tell the tell more truth than I should thing that he does. And so he was using it as a tool to do that, mm. to express what he already expresses. And so that's why I really liked it and it, and and I resonated with it. There's not like this is not what people who listen to live listen to live for. Right. Like I if I wanted, you know what I mean? Like this this isn't it, you know? Like people like we already have the red hot chili peppers, dude. We already have blood sugar sex magic. Yeah. We don't need we don't need you guys doing this. Um and and it didn't show up on any like Ed never rapped again. Like <laughs> Like he just, you know, it's kind of gross, right? Because it's like he just like used that shit transactionally almost. Like maybe like, oh, well, cool. This is like, this is hip now. Or maybe I just feel like this is going to get me some attention or this is going to, the audience is going to respond to this. And, and then, or like he just needed to sow his wild rap rock oats and he got out of his system and then he could, and then he could get on with being born again. Yeah, I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall of those like conversations about that album in particular. Well, and that's what's crazy too is you know that like some manager, like his manager, someone's like, "Oh, this will be great! This will be yeah, amazing!" Probably. And you know, again, like someone was going to make money off of that dude's confidence. Sure, sure, totally. You know? And so, um, all right, so deep enough, we hit the room. Me and my crew. Ed has a crew. He means the literal road crew. Yeah, the people who he pays to be with him. Yes, yeah, specifically. <laughs> no one wants to be there. No one's there voluntarily. Huh. It was cool until we bumped into you. Now it's been years, but there you were, like a Mustang redline in every single gear, with a man that danced like he was born in '59, but lost his groove back when Jesus died. I want to know: Are those replacement hips? Is that a swatch watch? Do you know what time it is? So. <laughs> You're talking shit about Swatch watches, man. I don't even know what a Swatch watch is. Hey, so well, a Swatch is like a it's a it's a Swedish watch company, 
But the reason I know Splotch Watches is because they came up in the late 90s, they came up with a, like a new protocol, I guess, for telling time. Okay. Which is called Swatch Internet Time. Okay. And you measure it in uh, one day is 1,000 beats. Um, and you subdivide the day up into that. Okay. So at any given time, you can say, oh, it's it's 528 beats. And someone else knows what time that is. The catch is there's no time zones. Uh, this is a cross-world uh, thing. I see. I can see how that would be useful. Yeah. So in some ways, like UTC time in, in uh, technology world. Uh, so that's what Swatch is famous for. Why is he talking shit about Swatch, man? Well, and it's like it's funny too because it's like like he was born in '49. It's like all right, so this is like 2001. So this dude's like 50. Yeah. So you're like you're you're making you're like mad at a girl that's dancing with a dude who's 50. Yeah, and your his hips okay. might be replacement hips. What? <laughs> right. He's just old. He's like yeah. oh, he's just making fun of an old guy. Yeah. Um. You know, does he run it? It's like, dude, you're like, you know, like, how, how old are we? We keep referencing this. We need to know. <laughs> we need to know exactly how old fucking Ed Kowalczyk is. Um, because he ain't, he ain't too far. Yeah, man. He, it's not like you're fucking 18. He ain't far enough to be saying this shit anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. God damn it. I'm, I'm, I'm being bad at Googling here. <laughs> um, there he is. 71. Yeah, okay. so he was 30. Okay, yeah. Yeah, like, you, you man. <laughs> Listen, man, your health was declining already. <laughs> um, all right, one more. So, like, and this is deep enough. So, like, does he run it deep enough to take you there? Like, oh, does he? is he going to fuck you good? Um, we hit the couch. The place was packed with sweaty palms. Sweaty. Can't even read it. Hold on, let me try again. Let me try again. <laughs> what? Hold on. We hit a couch. The place was packed with sweaty palms, sweaty thongs, and sweaty backs. It's so hard to say this. And this motherfucker wrapped this with, like, intensity. Like, oh, this line's going to get him. Yeah. Uh, my mouth was dry, my brain cold high, whatever that means. The groove was right, so I decided to ignite. Even his, even his rhyme scheme is shitty. Uh, your eyes met mine, your skirt began to rise, and so did I. Oh, you did got hard. That's nice. Now you know that I took that prize in the middle of the club, in the middle of the club, in the middle of the club. But wait, why did, her, why did the skirt begin to rise? Because he was pulling it up? Or she was pulling it up? Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, his dick got hard, yeah. her skirt began to rise, and he took that prize. Right there in the middle of the club, in the middle of the club. In the middle of the club. Um, this is just such a far cry from the previous album of I Want to Dance With You the jaws of Caliuga and who put the flower in that gun and yeah. can you hear the dolphins cry? <sighs> yeah, come to the water. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> not come to the club and not, I'll... Not, not come in the club. Yeah, and I'll, yeah, yeah, not, and I'll like fuck you dry like right there in front of God and everybody. <laughs> right. Right in the jaws of Caliuga. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. That was man. That was another thing in the interview where he's going on about uh, come to the water, and he's like, you know, because like water, I identify like with life, man. He's like, life is a fluid, like it's water, and he's talking about the video because they keep they keep referencing the videos that they've made, uh, and he's like, you know, in, in that video, he's like, the water, most of that water was real, you know. He's just, 
<laughs> does say that. <laughs> Most of the water was real. He does say that. Because they're talking about how they, they use these crazy effects in the video. Right, 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 right. There, there are no effects in the video until the very end there's a shitty explosion and presumably half of that water was fake. <laughs> um, but he's like, man, I really like that video, man. It was kind of like Blade Runner looking, man. And I was like, man, you... That video, as far as you know, in that video, you just like water, motherfucker. You're at, <laughs> you're, you're at the sink. You're getting a drink of water. The rain comes down. And at the end, you're getting some more water out of the sink. You ain't – there's no metaphor here. There's Ed. no metaphor. Oh, that's great. Um, I'm going to save it real quick. Okay. Fair point. Yeah, no, I'm just paranoid. Uh, since we lost the last one, I'm like, yeah. all right, this is this – is, I don't want to lose it. <laughs> okay, fair. All right. Um, so let's keep on going. Oh boy. So, so yeah, like you take those lyrics and you put them in context with the other stuff. And it's like, oh man, he's a shit. Um, yeah. people like you in a dream I had, I was on stage with Queen, Michael Stipe and Elton John, Bono and Springsteen singing hallelujah, rock and roll is king. So <clears throat> you're, oh, you're putting, you're putting yourself on stage in rarefied fucking air there, Ed. Yeah, yeah. Um, because these are the differences. These are all people who are still culturally relevant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, because in the interview he rattles off, I think that same list of people. Similar. It's is, different. Is it similar? Okay. Yeah, he says. Uh, he says uh, Michael Stipe, Bono, and Perry Farrell. Right. I think. Yeah. And yeah. So he didn't mention okay. Perry Farrell in here. Pa- apparently. Perry Farrell wasn't good enough to be on the stage with Ed. A wrong too low. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, and then the chorus of this song, it's just people like you, whatever it's going to take, good luck, keep it real. Where are the boys in live? They're pissing in the mainstream. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Open up your cage, focus all your rage. The world needs people like you. Oh, it's, a, it's like a Smashing Pumpkins takedown. It know, does sound like that, doesn't years. it? It's yeah, hard yeah. for it to not come off that way. But yeah. yeah, it's like, is that what y'all are doing? Y'all been pissing yep. in the mainstream? Is that it? That's what you'd call this? That's what you call this record? When pissing you go, in the when mainstream? You, when you go to the water, is that what you're going to? You go into that you go into the stream? <laughs> yeah, you're 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 so hydrated. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. now you have to you have to urinate and you're in the mainstream. So where else could you urinate? But in the mainstream. Pissing in the mainstream. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. Transmit your love. This one is one of the more egregious ones to me. Bow, bow, everybody in the hotel. Bow, bow, everybody in the motel. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Done. We're good. Uh, this is it. This, this, is, this is gross. Don't knock if the door to my suite is closed. All right, fine, cool, whatever. Yeah, you put your do not disturb sign out there, and it's yeah. You should have come to the show. Don't knock if my suite if the door to my suite is closed. You should have come to the show. That's like you don't get to fuck me if you don't come to my show. <laughs> You don't get you don't get to bask in my presence unless you come to my show. Right. You just heard I was you just heard that I'm famous and I was here, but you don't get me. You don't get you don't, you don't, you don't get all this. You don't get this. You don't get these eyebrows. <laughs> you don't get this. So, but you uh-huh. didn't. 
Now you're wishing that you had. But you, <laughs> but you had to go to Jimmy Buffett with your dad. <laughs> with live, it's game seven every single night. You have to put it on the line to step inside. It's really fortunate that Jimmy Buffett and Live were playing at the same time in the same town in close enough proximity to this hotel. Because <laughs> they didn't have ride sharing at this point. <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, how could this song have worked? <laughs> oh, with your dad. Also, your her dad presumably brought her to the hotel to see it. <laughs> What? You had to go to Jimmy Buffett with your dad? Like, it's... Oh, um, <sighs> And then what is so egregious about, like, this fucking record is that you have these just, like, fucking rap rock verses with stupid, gross lyrics. And then it goes into this, like, you know, full-on, live, normal, unity, pop fucking, you know, chorus, you right. know. Transmit your love to me. Silently make me whole again. Transmit your love to me. And it's it's beautiful melodies and all that sort of stuff. And like <clears throat> this song though, it becomes clear to me that it's like, oh well, if the dice would have been rolled differently, Ed would have been a cult leader. Bow bow, put your ear to the door, and bow bow, put your face to the floor, and through the cracks see the people kicking it inside and leaving it all behind in the name of love. We raise the roof in the name of love. Do what we came to do in a town tonight where the streets have no name. <clears throat> <laughs> and everybody feels the same. <clears throat> here's, here's the part. The outside world is a goddamn shame. That's the same shit that Southern, that, that like a bunch of Southern pastors would always say when I was stuck in church when I was a kid. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Like everyone in this room is cool. Everyone out there is, is right. you know, so those are... Anyone out there, you ever hear that kind of language anywhere? Alarm bells go off. I don't care what you're, I don't care if you're gym class, I don't care what, where, wherever the fuck you are. If people talk about the people that are not in the room right now being bad, you're, you're in a bad spot, man. Like, do you, you need to put up your fucking, you need to put your guard up, man, because that person's about to sell you on some bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, come on, tell your leaders love is in town to turn this whole thing upside down. We can't take it anymore. Welcome to my world of love. Welcome to my space above this sacred love. Welcome to my space of bliss. <clears throat> this is a cult leader. That's cult shit, dude. Go back to the first the first line, or the first couple lines here. So, you know, bow, bow, well, hotel, whatever. Uh, okay, wait, wait, wait. No, it's after that. Where was it? Oh, Ear to the door. Yeah, ear to the door and bow. Face to the floor. See people kicking it inside and leaving it all behind in the name of love. Is he talking about fucking like a cult killing themselves? Is that what that is? Because I'm picturing like Jonestown or some shit here. Leaving it all behind in the name of love. Um. Oh, okay. So that that's... Let's entertain that. Um. That's what that strikes me as at first. But, like but with that, but that's not usually opposed. That's not usually you wouldn't. That wouldn't have to do with kicking it. Right, right. Like yeah, to, for um, sure. I think that it's more likely he's talking about a bunch of people, um, like a bunch of people just ha having 
like having uninhibited sex. It's like with an orgy, other. maybe. I instead. think that that's more likely because he he does say like looking through the crack, like somebody's spying on somebody. Yeah, like you're so maybe, like you can't okay. get in because you didn't come to my show. Look underneath the crack of the door and okay. see this fucking bliss okay. happening in here. Okay, um, because it's all about love. Transmit your love. Transmit your love to me. Got it. You know, but the the, the bowing <laughs> thing is very strange. Yeah, and so I guess like. You know, if Ed was here, he'd probably be very mad at us. Well, he would probably be glad to explain. Just, <laughs> I'm sure it's confusion. And I'm and he would probably he'd be like, you know, I'm still waiting to see what that song has to teach me. <laughs> <laughs> it still hasn't taught me what it was about. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and I get and I guess like that sort of references because something that you brought up the last time was like, is he playing a character? Right, right, right. And I think that interview shows that he isn't. I agree wholeheartedly. So I, re- I revoke my, I retract my assertion. Right. And like, that's the problem is that like, I think he means all these fucking lyrics. Um, and I think that these lyrics, like, they're just that, like, <laughs> this is a window into what a middle-aged white spiritual rock star can muster to be angry and to be braggadocious about like, this is it. This is, this is what he's got. That, yeah. Like I, I think this kind of feeds back into just him not ever growing up. Like this is what he knows. This is, this is what he feels like the peak of this lifestyle can be right. In, yeah. a, in a weird way. Right. And it's weird. Like, cause when you look at the lyrical themes over the record, like one of the themes is, is like, People need to sit down and shut the fuck up and listen to, and and like love love each other and like listen to listen to me. I have the answer. You need to love each other. Yeah. And like, I mean, that's a good message, man. That's not a bad message. You know, it might be a little simplistic or shallow and or not necessarily useful. Um, but but it's not bad. But it's weird to put that in the context of um, of like tearing people down, like you know. Yeah. Like maybe someone should take your microphone. Nobody's taking your bicycle, you know, right. or whatever. Um, don't you know that we need to? You, I'm wait. I wait for you to understand. I wait for you to take my hand and understand that we need each other. Right. And it's like, like, do you like put out like at the sign at like a pizza buffet? Like, eat less to lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> two for one you know what I mean it's, well no he doesn't put out the sign he stands there with a pamphlet that you can't see what it says you have to go up to him yes and ask him for it uh huh he, he already knows the you answer you left to look under the cracks mm-hmm. um and so yeah and yeah like and I think that's sort of an aspect of what of what of why this like makes me why why like all the unity talk and shit like that like feels so gross to me is because, well, it's because I used to sling that unity shit at some point in time, you know? And you usually when you're calling for unity, <clears throat> what you're really saying is that, like, people need to, sh- people who have problems need to shut the fuck up. Like, yeah, it's, like you said, it's not inherently a bad message. It's not, but uh, how is it functioning? Yeah. Right? Um, how is it functioning in a dialogue? When are you saying it? Who are you saying it to? Right. It's a very important part of this. Right. And oftentimes whenever I was younger and I felt compelled to say that, it was whenever um, marginalized people or people who had legitimate problems were trying to address those problems. 
And it's like, no, unity, all together, we're all together, mm -hmm. you know? And that's just like, will you stop making me uncomfortable yes. with, with all of your, with all of your problems? You're really harshing my mellow. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, and it's gross and it's stupid and it's disrespectful and it minimizes the experience of others. For sure. For sure. And that is kind of, that's one of the reasons I'm so like, why these lyrics hit a nerve for me yeah, now yeah. is because I've, I, you know, I don't know. I see like the, the alternate path, right. That could be me in a sense. Mm. All right. We're almost done. And then, uh, Whew. with just the lyrics, oh, no. <laughs> then we're, then we're going to go over his tattoos. No. Oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so in this other, this is one of the ride. So it's in, this is that juxtaposition one. In the East, they can meditate. They can recreate the sound of Om and bring us home. I think I'll go there someday, maybe for a holiday, maybe just light a candle and take a seat for a ride. You know, no big deal. Like this isn't, this isn't that bad, but I'm just, I'm yeah. just pointing it out because it's another like juxtaposition, right? In the West, we think we're the best. We've shown the whole wide world that money is all we care for. Now, someday the scientists will see there's no such thing as gravity. <clears throat> what? <laughs> They'll all just light a candle, take a seat for a ride. So he's, so much like on the next album where he's going to talk about like in the country, they really got it figured out. Here, he's talking about like in the East, they really got it figured out. Mm -hmm. Here, we're just all about money and even scientists got it wrong. Right. <clears throat> Which is just fucking gross it's just it's just word salad man it feels like that one can, kind of came out of nowhere it, it, like related to this other stuff it this is a distance to hear throwaway track uh, you know what i mean is is how i would this how i would categorize this one so this one doesn't have an egregious rap verse but it just has like some gross philosophy in it <laughs> that is you know and and again and like and that's sort of a problem. I feel like I feel like Jerry Harrison was like, you need to throw that shit. The fuck out of <laughs> He's not on my record. <laughs> not on my watch, motherfucker. <laughs> um, and that is kind of the problem of the sort of the exoticism, you know, that that uh, that draws people who want to be special mm -hmm. to being interested in Eastern religions is that you're going to impose, like, you're going to. <sighs> you're going to assume that it has everything right that your interpretation of your current culture has wrong. Sure. And so, yeah. and it, and it, it does, you don't actually give a shit what those people, how those people relate to their own fucking religion. Like, yeah, you're just like, they got it right. They get it over there. And, then if someone wants to actually talk to you about the problems or the this or the that or like, oh no, no, there's 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 sexual abuse issues with inside these these religions and stuff like that as well. Like you don't want to hear that. Right. You know? There's some some weird need there to for there to be a correct answer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's a for to me, my read on is like there is a need for a hierarchy. Yeah. And so and you're like, well, our hierarchy is wrong. That's the right hierarchy. What you think is low is actually high. Um, and so, and then there's last one here. Like, uh, this is the Red Hot Chili Peppers ripoff song. Like, I'm not okay with this TV in my face and liar after liar with 
nothing but nothing, nothing. What, what, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> and liar after liar with nothing about nothing higher. Oh, okay. Like, oh, there's nothing good on TV. I want to see stuff that's about high. I want to hire things, you know. Right. Y'all are just the liars. Uh, I'm on the outside peering into your world, and all the boys and girls are singing, save me, save me from the one who only rapes me. That's a real strong word to throw into this context of I don't see things I like on television. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like he's understands the weight of that word, which uh, fits in with the with some of this other stuff. So like, and who's then he referring to there? Uh, I don't know. And then here's the rap verse, the rap bridge. I don't give a fuck what you say about me. Everything you are is just a tool to me. So just set up the mic and let me do my thing in the consciousness of every, each and every sentient being. Oh, hold on. In the consciousness of each and every sentient being, raining down like a thunderstorm into your mind, maybe not the first, the second, or even the third time, but eventually you won't be able to put me down. You'll be having me with breakfast in your coffee grounds. <laughs> so. Oh, man. So that's the that's, best. The best part of waking up is Kowalczyk in your cup. Kowalczyk in your cup. Yeah, and uh, oh. so there it is. Like there's, you know, there it is. Well, that's that's all the lyrics and stuff. So there's a few more things I wanted to fucking riff on because I had to do. A, I did a lot of. I had to do a lot of reflecting, okay. and understand that the reason that all of this. First of all, why was I interested enough in this? Like, why, you know, and, and why did this bother me so much? Because I'm not, there's other bands I've been fans of, and then they make a turn, and I'm like, whatever, he did that thing. Cool. Right. Um, but I was really captivated by Ed's arc, and I think it's because, because I've done all those things, you know? Like, I was really into... You know, I was really into Eastern mysticism and all that sort of stuff in high school. You know, the very first book I got into, like a big pathway for me into getting into physics, which I got a degree in and and like a huge portion and path of my life and my career for a long time. Yeah. You know, the first book that I really read about it was called The Dancing Wooly Masters. And it was all about connecting physics to Eastern, to, to you know, um, Taoism and mm -hmm. a Buddhism. And so I'm that fucking philosophy kid, you know? And and I've written some really bad rap verses that that I just haven't had the confidence to perform anywhere. I thought about I almost did some at a poetry night. Oh. Um and I didn't. Thank God. <laughs> You know, because no one, no, I didn't have a manager. No one was going to make money off my confidence. Um, they were like, "Oh, you're just an, oh, you're just an overweight community college teacher. <laughs> you're just an overweight adjunct. No one, <laughs> no future in this for me." Um, and like, and some of those, and some of those, like bad rap verses, are like, are you know, spoken word poetry, like were real defensive about like being called racist or being insinuated, you know, like, I, so I was like using 
black culture to critique black culture, you know, um, because I was triggered by the idea that someone would even insinuate I was less than a paragon of virtue when it came to all things race. Mm. And and I've and I've done the born again Christian thing too, right? right. Like, and I cannot. That that's that's maybe the one of the one of the biggest ones I want to like riff on is that mm-hmm. it's really difficult to put into words how um, much of an incentive there is for for you to be a musician. And then, you know, like a secular musician and then convert to being a member of a church. Really? Yeah. I mean, I know there's a lot of money in it, just straight up. But Even aside from money, even aside from money, mm-hmm. there is a lot of social... It's really difficult to sort of put into words that uh, that allure of, um, you know, you will be instantly accepted universally across this entire community. And not only that, you will be seen, you will be revered in a sense, you know, like you, here's, there's something extra about you because you were out and you were in the world and you were a musician, you were on the stage, you were living in sin mm-hmm. and you were, you know, da, 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 da. And now you've got a, and now you've got a really good testimony that you can tell on stage mm-hmm. and, and you can get the kids excited. Like they, they almost look at you as like a really good get for the sure, company, sure. you know, they would never say it in those words, but it kind of is. The, um, yeah. And so the, what I'm saying is like all of that creates like there's a lot of pressure and you're treated really special. Sure. Because I was like I was the atheist playing in church every week because a really great friend of mine was a music pastor and we had known each other from uh, like playing in bar bands together and he needed a drummer and I was a good drummer. So, you know, and I was reliable and all that sort of stuff. So. And I didn't mind playing, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I didn't have a like a philosophical or moral qualm against playing the music, so I, mm-hmm. I did. But you know, whenever I, you know, opened my opened my mind to it, my heart to it, was willing to say the words. It was just like instant acceptance into this community, and and it and it was it was in. It was it was something that I didn't I didn't really have armor against, mm. you know, in a sense. And so, like, I don't. So the thing is, is that I know that this is like a buzzword, and it sounds like, or you know, some people tune out when they hear this word. But you know, it's hard to talk about this for me without talking about like patriarchy and masculinity. Mm. And so the thing is is that if tracking is masculine if tracking if the tracking as masculine is important to you which it was to me when i was younger mm. um you know so that might be being angry which that's what it was for me um or it might be being sexual mm. 
Like I'm always fucking. I'm you. I, I I'm a man. You know I'm a man because I'm having sex. Um, and when you get hit with this like born again kind of thing and pull you into this, it's almost like, hey guys, you can let all that go. Here we do patriarchy right. Okay. Yeah. And so you get all those buttons pushed. You're a fucking man, but you're a man for Jesus, and that means you're the you're the highest of all the men and and but you're also it also gives you a way to let go of some of these behaviors that are actually can be kind of toxic right and damaging for you yeah um but while still not addressing the real issue they yeah they tell you that it's okay to, to turn that stuff off Right, you know, yeah. like, and they, and, they, and they give you like a framework of like, well, see, that was sin, and that was this, and that was that, and now you don't have to do that, and now you're saved, and, you know, blah, 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 and da-da-da-da-da, mm-hmm. and you just need to work on your walk with the Lord, blah, 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 and, you know, but, and so I, 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 I'm, I just, I want to, like, so I see parallel, like, I, if it was intoxicating for me as a fucking nobody, like how fucking intoxicating would it be for someone like Ed? Like how good of a grab would it would it have been to get Ed? Sure. You know, and and how much sort of instant adoration and respect and you know he would have gotten for being like a rock star that was then talking about Jesus and that kind of approval, you know, because man, like. I like being on stage. I have a podcast with my fucking name on it, okay? Like, hearing the crowd short circuits my shit, okay? Sure. You know? Like, it, I, it, oh, I guess that was good. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, if I, mean, I was, if, you know. Fair. It, so, anyway, I just I just wanted to kind of, you know, throw that kind of stuff out there, you know? Yeah, like, in, yeah, in a way, like, in Ed's defense, almost. Like you can see how that happens. You can see what's alluring about that. Right, right. Yeah, like it's a, you know, it's it's a like a patriarchal chink in your armor. Like if you don't know what that is and you, you haven't ever been taught what that was, you haven't ever been exposed to these ideas of like, you know, are, are exposed to ideas of hierarchies or whatever, you know, or like all that sort of stuff, then someone saying like, hey, man, do you need a daddy? Well, I know the biggest daddy. (laughs) My daddy's in the sky. (laughs) And this daddy's always been your daddy. And he's always been waiting for you to come home. You know? Oh, big daddy. No. Yeah. And so it's just... (laughs) So I think that's why... One of the reasons, you know, because you get so much approval... Um, Mm -hmm. and they like all of that performative masculinity that you've been trying to do by like being angry or by being violent sometimes or by being reckless and impulsive. Cause I know people who like, yeah, that's the only reason I was able to get rid of my cocaine habit was I found the Lord. Like some people that, that like they, you know, and because they're trading in a kind of like performative, reckless masculinity for like sky daddy masculinity like here we do patriarchy right you know we do patriarchy in a healthy way here 
is kind of like the olive branch that that community offers to you, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just all the criticisms I give to Ed, just a lot of it is me criticizing, uh, criticizing myself and criticizing a younger version of myself. In the, and it's like knowing that I would have done the same or worse if if I would have been if I would have like been in those situations you know like there's no way that if if you if I was talking on a camera when I was 22 there's no way I wouldn't have been saying some pretentious shit totally totally I mean yes if we had had access to this sort of thing or social media in general when we were that age right the shit that we would have said we I'm sure we did say right 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 and, well, and like the ego that it would have oh i mean and like the ego that it would have the way our egos would have been inflated if we would have actually garnered success and careers yeah. and so much so that we didn't have to go to college we're like no this is what our life is yeah you know for thinking these things and doing these things that we do when we're fucking 22 you know um, yeah. there's no incentive for you to, for you to have your viewpoints challenged and, and, totally. and grow and all those types of things, you know? So, um, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, I've done all that shit. I've like, I'm above all this, you know, like, you know, I'm above casual sex and drugs and substances and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. Like I, like I wasn't above casual sex. Uh, casual sex was something that hurt me when other people did it because <laughs> I saw I saw women as possessions. Mm. You know, like I didn't it's like, oh, well, that's a person doing what that person wants to do. I was like, no, that's like a that's like my favorite. That's like my that's like my favorite tool attacking me. <laughs> you know, like I and so because it's fucking toxic bullshit. You know, and, yeah. but anyway, I, I think that's it. So, so yeah, that's the caveat, right? Is that like, uh, you know, a lot of the criticism I'm given is, is some of it is definitely projection. So, yeah. And like, I, I feel like it's kind of been uh, maybe unsaid this whole time. We've been fucking going on and on about Ed, but like, I don't think Ed is a fucking terrible person but i i can i can see how he got to where he is yeah or, or was you know at that time and kept going that way right and, it, and it's it's really because kind of, you know man like i don't fucking know like it is it, this is a thing is it's you know if i ever had an opportunity to 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 have a conversation with him i might be like all right well i was completely wrong about all of that and like you know i should you know, da 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 da. There were things I didn't understand. There were things I was missing. So you know, I don't want I don't want this to be a uh, like a, a sh you know like a, come off as like a, a shit talking session. Yeah. But more more as a as a legitimate confusion from from someone whose art meant the absolute world to me. And. Yeah. And then also reflecting on that journey, seeing parallels of that journey in my in my to my own, and and then, you know, 
I, I can't not fill in some blanks and, and add context, you know? So, so yeah, yeah man, uh, it's, <clears throat> what a mess. What a mess. I think that's it. What a ride. I think we did it. Ed, you took us to the water. <laughs> so much water. <laughs> so much water. All right. Oh, boy. It's it's done. You can you can you can put the you can put five down now. <laughs> you can put the you can put it away. All right. Okay. Thank thank you, Robert, for 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 dealing with that shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's hey man. All your, I, I am I would never have uh, been able to to draw all the lines between all these different things. Is it fascinating? Yeah. I I I there's still some. I'll probably end up like writing a blog or something, like writing something up about it because there's they're not all quite connect. I think I hit most of them, but you know, it's long. Yeah, <laughs> I guess this is, yeah, it's. I mean, I could have talked for another half hour about that goddamn interview. It, it was something, right? It was really something. So there was a lot more that I, while I was watching it, I was like, I want to mention that, mention that, but I didn't take notes, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. So go check out it's it's the interview from two thousand four from the Awake DVD. Yeah. It, so yeah, because I I was gonna be reserved in my criticism until I saw that interview and I was like, nope, <laughs> you're he deserves this. He deserves this. Even if it was that he said, you know what? Yeah, put that on a fucking DVD and charge people money for that. <laughs> right. Like like he looked at that and was like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I did it. Literally said that. So, all right, guys. Anyway, adios. Peace.